everyone. Welcome to the Steve Maxwell Drums Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on our website at www.maxwelldrums.com and then our reverb stores at Steve Maxwell Drums-Chicago and Steve Maxwell Drums-New York. We also have social media, uh, two Instagram accounts, at Maxwell Drum Shop Chicagoland and then at Maxwell Drum Shop. And then also on Facebook, Steve Maxwell and Steve Maxwell Drum Shop. And then, of course, check us out on Twitter at Maxwell Drum Shop. We will interview players, collectors, drum and cymbal builders, and also teachers about all things percussion. And you can go to YouTube if you want to see the video. We'll have pictures of drum shops, drum sets, badges, cymbals, all kinds of fun stuff. So let's get started. We hope you enjoy it. Three, two, one. Yeah. So today I'm here with Joe Loma. We just uh, did the 2021 Chicago Drum Show, which we were really happy that uh, that, that it happened because last year there wasn't one. So how you doing, Joe? <laughs> I'm doing good, Steve. How, how about you? I'm, I'm a little tired, but... <laughs> oh, me too. Me good too. Spirit. This show is... Uh, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. For sure. And uh, yeah, we're in the... The shop here is just getting bigger and more and more impressive. Thanks. You guys are doing an amazing job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're out of control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a problem. <laughs> you are out of control. That's great. I just <laughs> love to love sure. to be surrounded by such cool drums, new and vintage. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we bought some cool stuff. Well, and, I'll say, uh, yeah. just got that Camco kit from you. So we're there you go. Can't go wrong with Camco, can you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone, uh, everyone probably listening knows knows the uh, the Camco uh, <laughs> the sound. I mean, those things just sound amazing. But yeah. So yeah. yeah Usually I just start uh, kind of like chronologically. So yeah, tell me, tell me a little, tell me some well, stories. Like how would okay. you? Start? I started out as a baby. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess chronolo- I, I started playing drums when I was 11 years old, and of course I played in, uh, you know, in band. And uh, but uh, at 13 I became, I, I kind of fast tracked, and at 13 I was years old I was playing with a real successful high school rock and roll band nice and but the thing is I didn't have the money to buy a nice drum set so I was I bought a used Radio King 24 inch bass drum with a six and a half inch deep snare drum that I jerry rigged for Top Tom and uh, (laughs) the other neighbor sold me a 1920s Ludwig two piece brass shell snare drum worn out nickel (laughs) <laughs> That's and, not a bad way to start. Yeah, but I <laughs> didn't know. I mean, I wanted a shiny chrome supraphonic. You sure. know? I wanted something shiny and new and flashy. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, my first gigs, I was playing on that. My, my actual first brand new drum, I had planned to... Uh, uh, Ludwig, of course, I loved Ludwig back then because of their, their catalogs were wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted a... Uh, just a th- bass drum, top tom, and floor tom. So I was going to buy it one piece at a time because that's all I could afford. Did you grow up in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. Let's go back there. I grew up in northern Minnesota on the Iron Range. Okay. Uh, town of Evleth or uh, outside of Evleth, Ely Lake. And uh, a lot of great players in that area, northern Minnesota. Yeah, some famous ones came out of there, too. Bob Dylan would be one of them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Fam- great drummers, too. Bill Berg is uh, one from Hibbing who's like played with Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Great jazz drummer. Nice. Uh, also an incredible animator. He was head animator at Disney Studios. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> talented very guy. talented. Uh, uh, yeah, Michael Baker out of Duluth, uh, great drummer. Uh, yeah, just a lot of it. Uh, Jimmy Hyde, another nice 
good play out of him. I mean, just, uh, I'm just, just talking about the drummers now. If I talk about everybody, it would take way too long. But, <laughs> sure. you know, and then so they left and left. And so I, I got to be the top dog up there. <laughs> yes. and, and back in the heyday in the 70s, it was money. There was everybody was paying big money. And I would put great bands together, and I, could, I wanted to get down to Minneapolis, and we got paid way too much money up there. And the guys would say, why go down there? We're doing good up here. And I said, because we're going to fall apart up here. There's no place to go sure. after, you know. So you so, were kind of always in the rock and roll scene. You, you were never No, no, like- I was in, I played many, many different genres of music. I learned, I, even when, as a kid, I would play everything from polkas and shottishes. Did and, you do like a school band and stuff like that? Yeah, for a while. Then, then I, I left band after a while. Uh, yeah, after a while. What about marching? You were doing yeah, marching yeah. No, I didn't, do, I didn't get into the marching thing. Sure. With the polyester <laughs> uniforms and, yeah. you know, I, well, 90 I, degrees <laughs> and just out there in the wool hats. And, there's, a, there's a picture of me in oh, uh, Sweating 90s. your butt off. With, and then, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> or even the worst were the cold days. We would do football mm. games. Okay. And I remember yeah, just uh, freezing rain. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I, always, I, I thought you guys should, you, you, you deserved the Purple Heart for some of the stuff you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was funny in band. Uh, well, we, we were getting, we were going through the Haskell Hard Book. I mean, we we're, you know, 17 stroke rolls and we're, we're getting pretty advanced. But the whole orchestra, orchestra was doing songs like Glowworm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nice. So we'd be sitting on our hands while they're working on the, uh, the, uh, band uh, leaders, uh, conductors working with everybody. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. And Glowworm, the part, I remember it, it's uh, Da. Da, 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 click, click. <laughs> and uh, so we asked, could we soup this up a bit? You know, could we use some of the stuff we're learning? And the answer was no. <laughs> and one day, I'm from Evleth, hockey capital of the USA. And uh, in fact, uh, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame is in Evleth. Okay. And uh, so a lot of ho- hockey is big in Evleth. Right. And Evleth was in the tournaments. And we were at band practice, you know, at band rehearsal, sitting on our hands while everybody else is playing something like Glowworm. And uh, we asked the director if we could uh, go watch the game. The game was going on on closed circuit TV. So we asked the director if we could uh, go watch the game, since we're not doing anything. (laughs) And he said, yeah, go watch the game. He said, but if you do, don't come back. And the whole drum section got up and left <laughs> and after that he would only he only brought in girls to play drums oh yeah and, and I, I was kicking myself because some of them were really good looking and i could <laughs> sure. have been i could have been the old the fox who left you know who wants i should have stayed because <laughs> i was girls. pretty shy back then yeah, yeah i remember the, the, when i was yeah. going when i was like going to school there were always a couple girls that were were drummers and they were always super cool girls I, yeah I oh yeah i i don't know about it yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, from there. Uh, but what about teachers? Do you, do you have like a, a like kind of a mentor from when you were younger that you want to maybe? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had uh, just a number of various different teachers and stuff. But no, nobody I've really stayed with long, or you know, I, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of in, in, in you know, I learned a, a lot of stuff, and then I would immediately I would try to make up my own stuff and go out on my own. I'm kind of an <laughs> inventor. Sure. Well, that'll come in later anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like in the beginning, well, we'll get back to the vintage drum part, which is mainly what I want to talk about here. Right, right. Uh, 
in the early days, well, that Radio King set and Ludwig Stern, I took them apart and put them together many times. I just have this habit of doing this with stuff. Sure. And then uh, in the in the local shop where I'd pick up another drum set and take that apart and put it together. And and then I started selling these through the local shopper. Okay. And that's before they had cheap entry level, you know, or foreign drum sets. And so what, this is like maybe the... Six, late 60s. Late 60s, yeah, okay. Yeah, late <clears throat> 60s. Uh, and... The, the only entry-level set were like Ludwig had a club date, same shells, only to use center lugs, same with Rogers with her tower, and uh, Campco and Gretsch, Gretsch, the Playboys, was it a, is the play, I, I, but anyway, they just put center lugs, and that was kind of their entry-level set, reduced right. the price a little, and there were no real cheap sets, so people would pay reasonable money for a used drum set in good shape. Right. And I ended up doing going through many, many, many sets like this. And of course, the more you take things apart and put them together, the more you learn about them. Sure. You know, instead of just reading the catalog, you know, it's like, oh, they didn't do that after all. Oh, this doesn't have to be this way. Or what? The, the three ply. Oh, Gretsch can have mahogany on the inside of a round badge drum. Right. Right. You know, it's weird stuff like that. You know. Uh, so uh, and then of course the big thing was, uh, you needed parts to do this stuff so uh, accumulating parts was the big thing for sure for, for, for you know for re for doing drum sets so um anyway so that was always so i'd buy sets even if they're bullet holes i don't care <laughs> you know i could throw the shell if i get parts off them that's fine so you were so, a, a ludwig ludwig was kind of your yeah in the beginning ludwig because of the catalog we didn't have i didn't have much experience with gretsch there weren't too many Play, people playing Gretsch, but Ludwig was king. Of course, the you know British invasion was brought to you by Ludwig. Even sure. Charlie Watts came over on a, a sky blue Ludwig Super Classic set. Mm -hmm. uh, well, he, that's what he was playing, at least I think on Ed Sullivan. Uh, before cool. you know, I don't know if he had Gretsch set before that or not. Before he became a Gretsch guy, but you know Ludwig was every you know. Well, of course Dave Clark I should was Rogers, wasn't he? Yeah, the, yeah, 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 the Rogers Londoner set. But uh, and what but, about like did, did you uh, did you run into any Camcos early on? Or? No, never heard of it yeah, until Tijuana Brass came out. Ooh, yeah. Nick Ciroli was playing these drums That's with these stuff. big round cartoon lugs on them. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm thinking, what are they made out of? Are they even metal? If that was metal, wouldn't they be so heavy you couldn't <laughs> pick the drum up? <laughs> but anyway, so that's the first time I saw them. And, uh, uh, of course, I was aware that Jim, the great Jim Gordon was recording on a Camco set. Mm. And uh, so I figured, they, you know, they're not, they must be good drums. But it wasn't until, uh, until later at a, a consignment shop I saw a real early Camco. It was a 22 bass, 212, 16, and matching snare in silver sparkle. Mm -hmm. And they were sitting there, and they reminded me of, like, mines floating in the water. <laughs> you know, uh, explosive mines. Yeah, I know for, Yeah, about. and... Uh, <laughs> They had those big cartoonish lugs again, and I just said, you know, the price was right. I said, yeah, I'll buy this. Right, right. And I bought it, and I, I was doing some studio stuff back then, and uh, I, I remember taking it into the studio, and we put those drums up, and immediately the mics, we got a great sound on them. Yeah, they're, they're so yeah. well made. And George, and, I wonder how George Way invented that lug. I wonder what, what he was... I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the impetus that, for that. For everyone yeah. listening, yeah, George Way was the... Right, the, uh, yeah. 
it was his company, and then it got yeah, bought George out Way by was the, yeah. John Rashawn acquired the company from George Way. Yeah, yeah. Interesting and, story. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, they were Camco was like a tool and die, I think. Originally. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they, they made, made they made the stands. They made a lot of hardwares in the right. old yeah. And uh, eventually, they got they wanted to get into the drum business too. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows why. They yeah. never became a popular drum. In fact, to this day, I know people who have never seen one for sale. Yeah. You know, who have been collecting for like thirty years and they've <laughs> never seen one. In fact, I yeah, just talking to a, a friend of mine at the Chicago show. He said, "I've been in New Hampshire for a, for over thirty years collecting. I have never seen one Camco drum set." And I said, "They're rare," and <laughs> the way I accumulated them. Uh, was back to the when uh, collect, in collecting, people would collect a lot of times focus on Ludwig, Rogers, Gretsch, uh, and I was focusing on Camco, and one of the only people I think focusing on, there very few anyway that that I know of, yeah. and people would call me up and they said, I came across a Camco set, do you want it? And I said, Yeah, I want it. Sure. And uh, I, they'd send it to me, and I asked them, Did you play it? They'd say something like, no, I play Rogers. No, I play Ludwig. I asked, did you try it out? No, I play Rogers. I play Ludwig. You know, they're sure. set. They're set. So I said, okay, send it. And uh, so uh, I, that's how I got my Camco sets. Yeah, I mean, they, they were probably inexpensive maybe in like the 80s, yeah, probably, right? Yeah, People didn't know what they were. Sure. Yeah, it's like, get this, this weird, get, 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 get this weird thing out of my house. You right. know? <laughs> do, do you remember when like DW started making their drums? Did Were you like... Uh, Probably like, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I remember they did weird stuff. Like they had the floor tom was 16 diameter by 17 deep. Sure. I'm thinking, you just don't want it to fit in a case or what? Yeah, <laughs> right? sure. You know, what are you doing? Why do we have to well, reinvent yeah, the wheel? Why, why do you have yeah. to do this? You know, they, yeah, they had, I think they had deep bass drums too. I think Colin Bay Bailey was yeah. an early endorser. The and, uh, 16 inch and even 18 inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's, of course, that's the uh, L, that would be from the L.A. era to a drum, to drum workshop yeah. uh, from the L.A. era. Of course, like, yeah, it got split. Tama has the name. Yeah. D.W. has the hardware. Yeah. Although there is a t Tama, the Hoshino Campos that were made in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I think yeah. for about a year, year and a half. Those are really nice drums. Like Elvin Jones was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was their yeah. one endorser. And, and they have those lugs that are like, they're similar. They're, they're round, the but they have a protrusion. Yeah. yeah, they're protruded out to where the, where the rod goes in. Those are cool. Do you have any of those? Yeah, I have, uh, I have, I have an 18, a set with an 18 base, 12, 14 Ooh. snare. And I have, a, I have a set with a 22, uh, 12, 13, 16, and a deep custom snare. I wouldn't even know how to like, like assess the value of those. I wouldn't, so I don't, unique. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. But the finishes were gorgeous. In fact, uh, they they sent the, from Japan. They sent their refinisher over to do the sunburst. To okay. show them what it, and they were their goal was to build the number one drum set. I love set. that. It is like a lacquer wood. Yeah, add, yeah. It made like Fender guitars. That's like that. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. I love that. Actually, we I showed you that Gretsch kit I got. In that yeah, Gretsch. right. That's beautiful. Yeah, that sun it's sunburst. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I call it. Yeah, they, yeah. I, they have another name for it, but uh, I call yeah. it sunburst. <laughs> it's a sunburst. Come on, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What, what were horizon sunset sun sunrise sunset maybe that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh well, what do we? Uh, yeah, sunrise sunset would be a good name for it, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about sunburst kids, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's back to the. Uh, oh God. Uh, so uh, anyway, in, so in the early days, uh, one, one of my first, I was playing vintage drums when I was 11, but I didn't know it. They weren't vintage, they were just 
too old drums. Sure. <laughs> Way too old for me. <laughs> you know, I couldn't wait to get my first superphonic, you know, snare drum. How old were you when you got it? I can't, I don't, I don't know, but uh, when I got that thing, I shelved the uh, two-piece brass shell, 20s Ludwig, <laughs> and, uh, you know, superphonic is a phenomenal drum. Uh, alloy superphonic. I was but, looking for those at the show. I, I know. I, I spent the whole show looking for one. I couldn't get one because they're, they're in demand. Those things, everyone wants one. <laughs> but but some reason, even as a kid, I realized that, boy, there's something about that other snare drum that sounded really nice. Right, right. <laughs> that old two pre, that 20s two-piece brass shell. Yeah, that, that's a feeling that probably yeah. every drummer has had. You, you have this mm -hmm. kit, this old kit, and you've been playing on it forever, and you kind of get to know it, but you're like, you always like, you, you covet this other drum set. And then you get it, and it's there's always like some like a little bit of disappointment. It's like there's something you miss yeah. from that old set because well that's what you're used to your right. sound. You I mean at school uh, at my high school we had a round badge Gretsch kit that we used forever and then they they replaced mm -hmm. it and and. I, I, the the first time I played the new kit I can't even I think it was like a Yamaha that it was replaced with. I was like man this doesn't have the same. Mojo. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. So it was actually a really weird kid. At my high school, we had a round badge in Black Oyster, which doesn't Whoa. exist. Yeah, but from the factory. It, it was '60s Black Oyster. Who know? It had okay. to have been. It, this thing was very weird. My dad would remember it. Um, Chicago. I went to the Chicago Academy for Performing Arts, which was like an arts high school. Yeah, in, in yeah. Chicago, it's, it's uh, kind of almost in downtown Chicago, and. They don't know where they got it. Uh, it was just. I wonder where it is now, huh? Yeah, I, I think it was a twenty, probably twelve sixteen. I'm guessing it might have been a twelve. My third, probably a thirteen sixteen. Yeah, and the name band outfit they called it. Yeah, that was a common one for the twenty bass like with a thirteen sixteen. They're yeah. they're a little tough to sell some of, but that was actually my favorite. I yeah, they are a little. Favorite. A lot of people want that little smaller drums. Isn't that weird song. though? I I yeah. bet someone maybe bought it in the sixties and had it rewrapped in the sixties. That could be. That's it. Because Gretsch wouldn't have had that color. I don't think. Who who knows? Uh, yeah, they did. They did. Speaking yeah. of round bands, I just short funny story. A good drummer in Minneapolis, uh, Dick Bordelusi. It goes by the name of Bordo. He was in uh, Turkey, and um, uh, play, he was playing over there. And uh, anyway, he went to, they went out to see a local band, and they, you know, they invited him up to play drums, you know, a few tunes. Sure. And afterwards, he talked to the drummer. The drummer only knew a few words in English, you know, hello, uh, goodbye, thank you, and Gretsch Roundbatch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, if you gotta know a couple words. That's yeah, <laughs> that's essential. One. He's, yeah, so uh, for a, for a jazz, Dick, Bordeaux's a great jazz drummer, you know, and uh, cool. for a jazz drummer, you got to know round batch. You right. gotta, that's one of the essential words you have to know, but I, I always got a kick out of that. Uh, but anyway, also in the early, I, I, I also, uh, I, I know the first unusual finish drum I, I bought, 1920s, it was a Peacock Pearl Ludwig. Oh, yeah. And I remember I bought that from a guy in northern Minnesota who had all his stuff up in school, out in school buses, old <laughs> broken down school buses. Nice. And you got to realize northern Minnesota is it free, it's really cold in the winter. Oh, yeah. It gets and cold here. It gets condensation cold and all this. And it was like it's not a good place to store stuff. Sure. He had xylophones and all kinds of stuff in his school bus. He had some shacks and sheds. This was out in the woods. Right. And anyway, but I, I buy a uh, Peacock Pearl Ludwig and Ludwig uh, you know, late 20s snare drum. And I remember I had that up by right by my dash, driving all the way back to the, the 
three uh, th- three and a half hour drive to Minneapolis, just staring at that peacock pearl was it, finish. Had it, had it kind of cracked a little bit? Yeah, it, it, it had bubbled. It was actually a flawed drum that didn't have uh, rods or hoops on it. It just had the, the tube lugs and it had a bubble in the finish. Right, and it right. wasn't something I would even look at today, but <laughs> the finish just... I, I was just mesmerized by the finish. I and love I, that finish. I, I all the, the way back. The yeah. you sold me, remember? Yeah, <laughs> right. The, there you go. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, yeah there, that's it. They did such a good job with those finishes. That I bet you that was through a similar... Yeah, it is, yeah, life. right, right. And it, there's like um, almost like a like cheesecloth under it, which I Yeah, think, right, yeah. Because yeah. that, that's the secret maybe to getting finished to adhere to a single ply. Yeah. Because if it's single ply, it moves even more than if it's, mm-hmm. if it's a, a, you know, mm-hmm. a veneer... Mm-hmm. Finish. I love that drum, man. I'm never yeah. going gonna to sell that one. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I'm going to be buying. I'm glad you got that drum. Yeah, that's <laughs> a cool drum. I, I use it. I use it every now and then. I, I got a. Usually, I have calf heads. I think I have one on the bottom right now, but the uh, the top. And yeah, that thing's just just wonderful. Mahogany yeah, single ply. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, that uh, peacock pearl got me hooked on unusual finishes. Yeah. So yeah. in the early days, this is way before the internet. You know, way before the internet. And sure. it's even before Not So Modern Drummer. So I was one of the, you know, there was, I only knew a couple people who had my uh, uh, disease. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, the, VD, the drum yeah. vintage drums. <laughs> <laughs> right. That sounds like a bad one. VD, he's got VD, vintage drum disease. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but way before that, and uh, so I, I was... I was looking for these old unusual finishes, and uh, finally, uh, a friend of mine told me about this public publication called Not So Modern Drummer. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, they used the word mimeographed. Mm-hmm. It was just you know copy, just pages copy, just real raw. But anyway, so I you know I you know I I got my copy, and all of a sudden I've got a, a list of names and phone numbers of people who have the same. Uh, Oh, you're talking like I the have. end of it, right? There was like the, like ads, like yeah, there were ads, and yeah. then, then there was the that. directory. Right. It was just about probably about uh, just what year a did couple that pages. Start? What year did? Oh, geez, man, what was that? Just uh, yeah. back when we had paper, this yeah, like this, like actual it's, it's paper. Actually yeah. for, for those young people he, who are Steve is, is holding is a, a paper. Book. <laughs> yeah, this is about something called paper. It's not. <laughs> it's not a phone. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. the, it stays the same. It doesn't change, yeah. but it's it's very cool. A- analog. You, you can go and pl- plug. The, you can plug the name that that started. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm spacing it out, but so anyway, so my phone bill like went through the roof. Yeah, yeah, I was in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My phone bill went through the roof because sure. I started calling these people that you know had the same habit that I had, right. and uh, man, we couldn't get off the phone. And back then, who were some of your early buddies? People that I, I might. Oh God, uh, I go way back. Uh, uh, you know, Liam Holland, uh, of course, John Aldridge. Rob, Rob Cook was on early. Yeah, he was, you know. Right. Uh, well, let's go back. Not, not so modern drummer. John Aldridge. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my heroes. I mean, he, well, or my wife would, wouldn't say that, but <laughs> he's the one who, who got me connected with all these people from his, his not so modern drummer. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know issue, uh, you know, publication. Where, where was he based out of? Where did he live? Uh, was he in Tulsa, Oklahoma? He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think he was in Tulsa at that time. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been around. He's been, was in Nashville for a while and stuff. But, yeah. And uh, so John was the guy who really got a lot of us together. He, right. he, was, so, he's, he was responsible. And then, of course, Rob Cook uh, in early 90s started not only, not only we, we were on the phone talking to each other, 
talking to each other for a few years, but we didn't know we, but what each other looked like. Yeah, sure. You know, and Rob puts us together face to face with so, his uh, with his drum shows. What, did you go to the first drum show? Yeah, I believe I was in the first one or second. I first. So this I don't was in downtown first, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I was in. Yeah, I've been in over thirty. Yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah. And I, I remember that the the building it was in is now DePaul University. Right. Yeah, that was wasn't the first one. That was yeah. Oh, it, first there was, one was, that was before that. Yeah, there was even there. Yeah, there were a few others. There, there was one in a. a in a Holiday Inn. Nice. Uh, yeah. They, they start small. God, the first the one could have been in Rob's bathroom, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Just the three of, you know, uh, but, but, you know, so I really, Rob Cook, I mean, my hat's off to him. And then, of course, his publications. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. He's, not, he's not making a million dollars putting these books out. Just a, and the last, the Gretsch book and the, the Leedy, uh, George Way book. Oh, my God. They're, they're incredible. Absolutely. So anybody yeah. listening, go, go buy these books. Support. Anybody who Rebeats. does a drum book, support them. Yeah, Just absolutely. buy them. Because they're not doing it for here. the money. They're doing it for you. Right on. Uh, yeah. And uh, then, of course, history, then back yeah. to John Aldridge, became an incredible engraver of drums, too, as most right, people Right, right. That's know what him. I think of when I think of him. Yeah. yeah, most people think of him now. But he, to me... He's the guy who got us all together. I remember the initially. show, the drum shows, probably in the like maybe two thousand two, something like that, and he'd be there. Yeah, engraving. yeah, engraving. Yeah. yeah, I always wondered, did you get carpal tunnel or what? Isn't oh, it, I would worry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's really, yeah, he's come a long way. Like you said, a lot of people gave him drums to practice on in the beginning. It's a learning curve. Sure. And uh, but he's <laughs> good. He's, it's he's it's it's fun to watch him do it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, Damn, I should have him do a drum. I never had him do a drum for me. It's kind of funny because I was the biggest investor in the not-so-modern drum company. Mm -hmm. I had ordered 10 drums, and he was trying to make 50 of them. Okay. And uh, so I, because the two-piece brass shell, later on I realized that shell was such a great, the so 1920s Ludwig two-piece brass shell, I realized that that drum had magic. And of oh, course yeah. the same, that's the, the Black Beauty shell. That, those are... If, if you take one of those and then you put calfskin heads on them, that's probably my most favorite drum to play. The funny thing is I don't own one because they're so expensive, but if you take one of those. One. Yeah. I'll get you one. I, I've got a, I've got a got pile a of them. So I thought that they drum were, was... I, nickel, actually. I, I don't have yeah. to have any engraved. No, no, no. Like no, no. Yeah. Just nickel. The old raw nickel. Maybe next ones. year yeah. bring one. I'll buy it from you. Yeah, there you go. I'll give you a hell of a deal on it. Cool. I'm sitting on Thanks, stacks man. of them because I thought that drum was going to go through the roof in price. I thought right now it'd be like a three thousand to five thousand dollar drum. But it's not. Yeah, they're they go for about twelve, thirteen hundred yeah, maybe. Yeah. Really nice one might break fifteen, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I did see a real nice one. Somebody had a I think new old stock at the show. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. in in the box. Ooh. Yeah, now, late twenties Ludwig I believe it was a five by fourteen. Yeah. Uh, metal, you know, two piece brass shell. Uh, Newell saw in the box, and they had mailed the box, and there were two 24-cent stamps oh, yeah. <laughs> to mail that drum. Cool. <laughs> of course, 24 cents, probably about a lot in the late 20s. You know? Sure. Yeah. Like, and By after a lot inflation, of candy that's bars. like yeah. 50 bucks now or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even know what it is. But, <laughs> but, it, it, but I, would, I, I'm, I can't wait to see the drum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, another thing about so uh, the unusual finish, or some people will call them ugly finish drums. Right. Back then, they would say, "Hey, Joe, I got this ugly finish drum. 
you know, do you want it? And I said, like, sure, no, I'll take it. Him, yeah. I'll take it. And, uh, you know, this was before Mike Corrado got on the scene. And Mike really goes for the unusual finishes, too, of Mike course. When did Mike start collecting? I, I want, uh, I, I, uh, he wasn't here this year. I, I know Mike to... came up through. Liam Maholland was uh, kind of got Mike interested. He's always and, been in California. Yeah, in California, yeah. yeah. Liam had a, was running a drum, a drum shop up there. Drummer's Tradition, the first version of it. Yeah, uh, Robert yeah. Bowler has it now up in, in, in County. I see those County stickers on drums sometimes. By some, yeah, yeah. So Liam was a hoot. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away years ago, but he was just a hoot. Uh, uh, I remember a short uh, one, one Liam story. Uh, we're at, in the early days uh, in the, one of the Quonset Hut barn type units at the Chicago Drum Show. Uh, Liam and I are talking and a, a guy comes up to us with a, a down, Ludwig Downbeat 4x14 in oyster pink, only his kind of was brownish pink and re really, uh, it was really ugly, put it that way. <laughs> but anyway, he was very proud of the drum and he came up to us, he knew who we were, and he was, you know, and showed us the drum and Liam just recoiled in horror and said, it looks like roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor guy just went waddling away. It's not what he wanted to hear. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Liam nailed it. It looked like roadkill. <laughs> now, some oyster pink is just gorgeous, but every once in a while you get that stuff that kind of brown Roadkill that's been in the sun just for Yeah, it looks like roadkill. <laughs> yeah. In oh, fact, man. I was at, at, at Bunny's house Funny. Uh, and when he received a uh, Oyster Pink a full kit, 22, a uh, super classic, that's be a 22 base, 1316. I think it was a snare too. And uh, Bunny opens the box up and he, he said, how did they get it to turn brown? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and I told him, I said, well, you're the only guy who has a brown oyster, uh, oyster brown pearl. Sure. I keep saying, you know, everybody says pink oyster or blue oyster, but in the catalog it was also always oyster pink or oyster blue. Yeah, 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 but it doesn't roll off the tongue as easily, I guess. So yeah, they all yeah. have kind of unique names. Like they yeah. would call like a sparkling pearl. Like, yeah, I yeah. Dredge called that. Called the yeah, yeah. Sparkle finishes sparkling. Yeah, fun I liked it in the very early days. It was flash. <laughs> oh yeah, and which was the glitter, the glass glitter, and it is a more of a flash than yeah. a sparkle. You know. I yeah. I love the the glitter. Those are actually little pieces of glass. Yeah, they're shards of glass, and, and that's why one uh, behind you there. It's a Rogers. Let's uh, take a look behind me. Red, red glitter. Yes, folks, I'm looking at a Rogers red glitter right behind me <laughs> yeah. with bread and butter lugs, or I call them Liberty Bell lugs because right. they usually have that crack in right. them. <laughs> yeah, those and if they don't have that crack, I just say play them and they will. Yeah, but you sure. can still play them with a crack. They work, but yeah. now, now they're really getting very creative at fixing that. Yeah, yeah they're, I, they're putting them together. They, um, we yeah. used to go on vacation, kind of up near you, but in Wisconsin, way far north. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, my dad would always bring... B and B lugs, and he would use like liquid steel. Yeah, okay, we'd yeah. all be like out in the lake, uh, yeah. you know, or, or you know, jumping in the water. Uh, we used to go toad hunting. We'd be, we'd hunt toads. We'd find toads. We'd uh, yeah. make it sports. My dad's there with his drum. <laughs> oh man, what a how sad is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, I, I thought it was. Thought see, it was my sad. wife would have never would never let me do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, with the drums, in fact, I, I'm amazed. Like somebody, like even my good friend Randy Rainwater yeah. and Nancy, his wife, she's a saint because <laughs> the drums kind of keep creeping and creeping into the living area, and they take over. It's <laughs> sure. like a, like a like a fast growing vines, right. you know. <laughs> and finally, she tells Randy, "You know, I'd like that room back." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. And, ours ours turned into a shop. That's what. Uh, yeah, I know. So well, you're lucky, but even your shop now you got you bought another shop. It's getting bigger. Bigger and yeah. bigger, yeah. In fact, you just recently picked up the other build, or, or, 
are moving into the other space also, right? Yeah, we yeah. We, we, we annexed, uh, it's in the other building, and we just, we're kind of just using it for storage, <laughs> because mm -hmm. see, we, even this place wasn't big enough for us. <laughs> well, I'm a Finlander, that's somebody who's from Finland, sure. <laughs> of course, but uh, up in the Iron Range, we have Finlanders, we have Finlander jokes too, so like to Toivo and Mutti, you know, <laughs> Toivo and Mutti when it walked into a bar or whatever, uh, but anyway, for, with Finlanders, how many shacks you have, your, your worth is, you're judged by how many shacks you have, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we joke about that, of course. Right. My fellow Finns. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's cool, my, my brother's pretty good. He's got quite a few shacks, and they're full. Every time you get a new shack, it's easy to fill it up. Right. You know? and, uh, hey, you got to... The winters are long, so you never know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> winters are long and brutal. We have yeah. Northern Minnesota is one of the most gorgeous uh, lands in the country, uh, weather permitting. Uh, sure. You know, in the summer, there's we have actually 12,000 lakes, although we're called land of 10,000 lakes. And what we call a lake, it has it's legit. They're legitimate lakes. They're not puddles like some people might might call a lake. And then sure. of course the pine trees. And in fact, that's where the Finns really gravitated toward you, northern uh, Minnesota. It's like Finland. You boat it all? You, you got a boat? Yeah, I've got a I've got a 16 foot Lund with a 90 horsepower nice. Honda. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, sailing? So, you ever you ever sail? No, well, I I remember one sailing trip. Um, <laughs> uh, I grew up on a little lake called Ely Lake, three and a half miles long. Uh, we we uh, in the summer uh, we borrow my my friend uh, we borrow his brother's boat. Uh, it's just a small little boat, but we we got the beer on the boat, the most important thing. <laughs> sure. And we we have two both sails up, and and he tells us, uh, you know, it's pretty windy today. I don't think you guys can handle two sails. You and we said, oh, we can handle two <laughs> sails. Bum, yeah. <laughs> uh, we made it about twenty yards and tipped it, and the beer went into a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he came out with the motorboat and grabbed us, towed us in. You know, <laughs> sailing's an art, man. Yeah, it, it is hard. But I, I have been, I have been sailing. I don't know, you know, it's there's a real art to it. it it's yeah, uh, we, we've been up in so quiet. Yeah, it's the, the I know it is. As, oh my yeah, God. I, I and I've been in a glider. I compared to that to flying in yeah, the glider, yeah. sailing to being on the water. Absolutely, yeah, it is just beautiful. It's quiet and the wind. And, uh, you don't have the horsepower, but... No, no. Well, generally, with a, it would be the last one. In fact, I was in the Caribbean. I, I stayed on a, about a, I think it was a 32-foot or 38-foot sailboat. Slept on that. Right, right. On the, in the Caribbean islands. And that was really nice, the floating sensation. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I, it's I, did, really... uh, I did Outward Bound up in Maine. And we uh, we slept on the boat every night. Yeah, that's not you know the, the rocking, rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It was a lot colder up there though. I imagine. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. seeing up there uh, around uh, Madeline Island is a great place. A lot of there's a a lot of islands up there on Lake Superior. A lot of sailboats up there, and that's where, lake, that's why man. I've been on sailboats. We're up there. we're so uh, so blessed to have these lakes. They're just oh yeah 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 <laughs> they're they're big lakes yeah like I'm on. Uh, Lake Superior, well, close to Lake Superior, of course, right. yeah. In fact, I do play up there quite a bit in the summer, a wonderful little town called Grand Marais, great artist town. Did, did you ever tour when you were... Uh... You know, luckily I didn't have to. I, yeah. I, I've, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, I learned many, many styles of music. In mm -hmm. fact, I put an ad out, freelance drummer, all styles. Nice. And, uh, you know, uh, whether you know, want Tex-Mex, you want, uh, you know, uh, Cajun, Zydeco, whatever, you know, but, but besides the main styles. Sure. And uh, Fojos, Cumbias, whatever. And uh, so my setups have always been pretty weird, too. Like, I even tell people I cannot play a drum set without a cowbell. 
Okay. It's just I, naked. I like cowbells. Yeah, I've it's got, naked like, Gretsch, to me. Yeah. I've got the, yeah. uh, you know, the, yeah. the old uh, Gretsch's with the middle mount. Right, uh, right. You can't really put a symbol on there. So no, I, I no, that's L it. Cowbell. Perfect, yeah. 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 Just like in the logo, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, for, I've been fortunate enough to... I made a living for many years right in, in the cities, and I didn't have to travel. I, I traveled a little bit to play with... So, uh, one, one band would back up these acts, like uh, Peter Noon and Tommy Rowe, and uh, I got to, got to play with Alex Chilton, got to back him cool. up from the box tops, and Del Shannon, which was pretty cool. And, nice. uh, yeah, just a lot of different... You know, and got some fun stories out of that, but... For, for uh, gigging, what's your favorite uh, setup? What sizes? Uh, I'm known as the Camco guy. In fact, I okay. play a 20. I, I I always say the bass drum first, and I know you guys say the small toms first. But actually, no, no, I, I'm the same. I say bass. I say I play a 20, 12, 14. I play 20, 12, 14. Yeah. 20 bass with a 12 on top, 14. I use the cymbal arm, and I use a 20 inch cymbal on that arm, and I have a cowbell holder. And if I smoked, my bass drum would have an ashtray. <laughs> so that sure. bass drum is is earns its weight yeah. to carry it because it's a Camco bass drum and they're heavy. Right, they're kind of right. like Rogers, you know, they're, they're yeah. heavy drums, but those big lugs. And Camco bass drums also have those giant uh, spacers underneath the lugs to beef, to bring them yeah. up. Yeah, the those are heavy. Tart lugs, right, right. Yeah, yeah, so. so got, yeah, lugs. there you go, right there. You got one right behind you, Steve. Yeah. Beautiful, uh, yeah. just happened and, to have one here. <laughs> in fact, when I bring, I even bring that set into the studio. Last two times in the, in the studio, I brought that set, and engineers are always amazed at how fast we get the sound out of it. What's a good studio you, you recorded up there? Uh, last one was Creation Audio in the big room. They have three rooms. I think I've heard of them. Uh, big, big studio. The big room could probably fit an orchestra. And here I'm in the middle of it with my little 2012-14 Camco set. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of hilarious. It's like, I, can I get something else in here? It's like, sure. I, it's, uh, and uh, but just there's you know now now there's studios everywhere. Yeah, uh, another big one of uh, yeah. Uh, but with um, people, God, people are doing decent recordings in their basement and stuff. Now I mean, look yeah, at look at Billie visual, Eilish. Yeah. You know, they're sure. You know, yeah, so now it's, you know, you don't need a big studio. Or it it won't quite have the same, you know, no. but but it's, I mean, yeah, digital is pretty darn good. You get a little box with, you know, yeah. two ends. And you're I always like a hero of mine is Lowell George, and he went from Little Feet, and called Richie Hayward on drums, the great Richie Hayward. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they asked Lowell George, how do you pick a studio? And he said one thing, the drum sound. Mm, yeah, and yeah. that's it. It's about the drum sound. Everybody else can go direct or in, you know. Right, right. You, you know, I, you know, I can't get a good bass sound out of the studio. You know, or my guitar doesn't sound good in the studio. No, it's the drums. Right on, man. So, yeah, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's in, always about the drums. In our little studio, I'm always obsessing over trying to make the drums sound as good as possible. It's a small room, mm -hmm. but you, you saw I put those wood diffusers up. I'm always doing. Yeah, right. You experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we're gonna we, we might put a wood floor in there too soon, which will. Oh, be, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to make it a little more lively. You know. So yeah, yeah. You want reverb, but you want good reverb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, back to the vintage drums, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I started a drumstick business, these uh, pro hot rods. And this I, is a cool part of your story. Yeah, yeah and... So, uh, tell me about it. Oh, you God, this, is, this is a whole can of worms here, yeah, the, the yeah. drumstick thing. But uh, since we're on vintage <laughs> drums, I'll just brush, I'll just touch on it. Okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, so I started this on my own and failed. Made the Modern Drummer 10-year uh, anniversary issue in the Where Are They Now section products that did, failed. What year did you come up with this? Uh, well, this is 84. Now, let's go, you know, multi-rod drumsticks go back hundreds of years. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So it's, uh, uh, in fact, I think, I believe it was Mozart who uh, wrote a piece that required for 
really? what he called Routes. And that's where Vic Firth got the name from, Routes. Vic cool. Firth being a classical guy, he knew that. Wow. Uh, but it called for a, a banded dowels, banded rods, wooden rods together to play. Sure, sure. And in Africa, I'm sure, God, they probably go back hundreds and hundreds, you know. Thousands, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. So, but anyway, it just got to the point where drummers were using just sticks, mallets, and brushes, you know, really. And uh, goofing around. And I, I, you know, just just goofing around came up with something and uh but anyway i, I started uh, and things were just plugging along i finally went with promark right. uh fortunate fortunate enough to go with them i needed endorsers because mm -hmm. drummers weren't going to buy these out of modern drummer magazine sending sure. you ten dollars and cut out the coupon and send your ten dollars in i think it cost me cost me a thousand bucks to get a third page ad and i sold about a dozen pair of sticks at ten bucks a pair <laughs> You know, so I was recently, it cost a lot of money to sell a pair of drumsticks. Sure. So, uh, you know, that flopped. And because uh, drummers aren't going to buy them without trying them out. Right. And so uh, I, I was, a long story how I ended up with Promark, but immediately I got Billy Cobham, Bill mm. Bruford, and Carl Palmer as endorsers. Very cool. And then I was, okay, drummers, now you can use them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then, no, okay, we'll use them now. You know, and uh, that's what happened. And things were chug chugging along. And my vintage, I was really getting into the vintage drums. I was getting money from drumsticks and yeah. putting it into vintage drums. I was going for high-end stuff. Uh, and eventually I wanted to, I figured I'd start a vintage drum shop. And I wanted mm. to be the biggest, best shop with the best uh, inventory and so I would only collect excellent to mint and this we're on the phone now mm -hmm. there's no photos you had to wait by the mail for photos so I had to ask people what condition I don't want is it faded you know any holes any altered I just said is it perfect you know if it's not perfect I don't want it you sure. know because I'm I don't know is it a 6.5 out of 10 when people tell me that I have no idea what that means sure <laughs> uh, your 6.5 out of 10 is different than my six point I mean, there's to me there's uh, throw away, poor, you know, fair, uh, good, very good, excellent, and mint. Right. You know, I want mint or excellent. And, uh, you know, and what makes it very, if it's not mint or excellent, what makes it very good? What's wrong with, why, does it, why isn't it mint? So, so that's what I would collect, that. And I, was, I would only collect or, or bring in 18, 12, 14s, 20, 12, 14s, or 22, 13, 16s. Yeah, man. And that's it. One, because I knew vintage-wise, that's what people would want. And the double tom sets from the 60s, uh, the it, tom holders were oof, Back very in the 60s, I, poor, I think poor. more people ordered like 2012, 16, right? Uh, no, no, a common, the, the, probably the most common set was the Ludwig Super Classic. Okay. That was a 22, 13, 16. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Super Classic set. Uh, Gretsch, of course, their cover set with, I believe it was a name band, a 20-inch bass with a 1316. Hey, that makes sense. And the 22 was optional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rogers, oh, Rogers had the 20 bass with a 1216. Okay, yeah. That's why Rogers 14-inch floor toms Very are rare. so valuable. Yeah, you can go for like a thousand yeah, bucks. Yeah, because like a... people will have that 2016 yeah. and they'll want a 2012-14, so they'll pay yeah. For that 14. You know, like an, uh, yeah. White green pearl one, you can go for a thousand. <laughs> yeah, right, right. To, to put it on, you know, and, and some people will just either put the 16 behind or use it for a coffee table. I don't know. Sure. I don't know too many people who do play a 20, 12, 14, 16. 
Right, right. Yeah, generally the double floor tom is generally associated with a 22 or 24, bigger bass drum kit. Big band. Big band, yeah. Right. Buddy Rich. Or, or something, at least you can put your towel and drink on the last tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, big band set, yeah. It's, or, or, or even a hard rock set, a, a, you know, a, a heavy rock and roll set, but usually it'd be a, you know, a 13, 14, 16, 18, or something like that, you know, right, oversized. Right. But yeah, yeah. But to me, a 2012, 14, I'm my own drum tech. These fit behind my wife's uh, little Volkswagen Tiguan behind the back seat. Sure. <laughs> With a 5 by 14 snare, everything fits in there. When I get it packed, I can still fit a deck of cards. Yeah. I have to pull a couple out, slip them here, slip them there, but, you know. Sure. Yeah, but anyway, so, and it fits on any stage, so it's, uh, you, yeah. You always bring the really awesome stuff to the show, and yeah, I'm, I'm so happy we did the show this year. It was it was great fun. You know, probably less people than usual, but it was still. Yeah, it was about half this this year, but yeah. I'm think, was so thankful that it happened and yeah, got yeah. got out of the house and got to see me too. You know, man. All friends, all if we haven't talked for you know, it's been a long time. Everyone two like years. forgot how to socialize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. I know. I've been social distancing since since 1969. So. <laughs> sure, that's nothing new to me. Yeah, I know. I'm 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 kind of aloof. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, man, you, you always. You're bring... a what? <laughs> I'm aloof. <laughs> I, we need we need some of the rim shot here, Steve. Yeah, for sure. Well, we should have. But we I'm, got wow, enough drums here. What, what the hell? We got enough drums around. And how about a splash cymbal and a snare drum here? <laughs> we're, gonna uh, get, we're gonna get Noah in here. Oh, but anyway, let me back to opening my vintage drum shop. So okay. I got all these pristine kits coming in. I'm specializing in Camco, Gretsch, you know, Rogers, Ludwig. And some Slingerland, but Slingerland's kind of the Rodney Dangerfield of drums. <laughs> They're great drums, but they, people won't pay for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's they no they don't respect. get they get no respect. No <laughs> respect. My you know my, I told my dentist I got uh, yellow teeth. He said wear a brown tie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but uh, so anyway, I you know, but it was a 2012-14 or 20. I'd go for it, and so I'm I'm I'm, I'm piling these up. And all of a sudden, my, my drumstick business, the unplugged craze hit. And this is, I think, like a 92, Eric Clapton. Okay. Yeah. Fortunately, Steve Ferroni uh, was in the studio with Clapton, and they're all acoustic, and Steve's sitting there with brushes, and what, what do I do? And the producer had a pair of my hot rods, and they gave them to Steve. <laughs> and Steve used those. And, of course, that was the heyday of MTV. Right, right. Yeah. Now, that album, Eric Clapton's Unplugged album, won everything that year in the Grammys. Yeah. MTV was all over him. And those camera guys are bored. Oh, I've seen flat top, I've got acoustic guitars. I've seen pianos. What are these? What's that drummer got in his hand? So they'd always be on these hot, on the, and they're bright red for a reason. Right, right. So they stick out. I said, I want the brightest. If I could get fluorescent red, that would have been it. You can't make it. In fact, back up, Promark at one time said, let's offer them in designer colors. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, drummers don't, they can't remember the name of them. Sure, sure. You know, at that time, Promark was calling them multi-rods. Oh, okay, yeah. In fact, this is a funny little story. Finally, nobody, no drummer could remember that name. Multi-rods. Nobody yeah. could remember. All they knew, they're bright red. These stick <laughs> things that are bright red. Chopsticks, I don't know what you call them, you know. So I call up Herb Brockstein, the great Herb Brockstein from the president of Promark. Good drummer, too, by the way. Uh, and I said, Herb, I think we got a problem with the name. And Herb says, what's, what's that, Joe? And I said, multi-rods. Don't give drummers three syllables. And there's a long pause, and all of a sudden Herb says, you're right. <laughs> this yeah, is a man. serious conversation now. 
And, I, and he said, what do you suggest? And I said, well, our come on in our ad is hot rods. And I said, if we call them hot rods, drummers will shorten it to rods, to one syllable. You know, drums, sticks, brushes, heads, rods. You know, and he goes, great. Let's call them hot rods then. Yeah, and that's how the hot rods name came. Because be, they were originally multi rods. Marketing, uh, yeah, marketing one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah, they're marketing one hundred and one. Yeah, so that's so we, I wanted to get it down to a one syllable. But anyway, story, that right? unplugged craze hit. All of a sudden, a tidal wave of, of orders came in. Yeah, yeah, MTV all over them. The biggest album of the year. Could you guys and, like not make them fast enough? No, we couldn't. <laughs> it was a wait. We time. couldn't. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I brought on more people, but it was a slow process because I wanted to keep quality control up. These right. were in packages. I didn't want people taking them out and rolling them or checking them, inspecting them. So I created a three-point quality control uh, system right. so we could put out perfect models. Where were you getting them manufactured? Uh, we, we manufactured them in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Awesome, man. Uh, and the, the wood originally came from Minnesota, Minnesota birch, but they failed miserably. Oh, they Had a 50% throwaway rate. Oh. <laughs> and all these dowels are gone through by hand for knots, splits, like, oblongs. Yeah, every, yeah, every dowel's checked by hand, so this is labor intensive. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I've never come across a pair that wasn't, you know. Yeah, they're all, they were, they're, you know, they were, they were, they were. Promark never had returns, so we, they were the quality. Birch, quality birch was, instead of hickory, because maybe birch is a little. Yeah, bit. birch can plain tiny. You can uh, small little, little dowels. You can get one twelfth inch dowels, oh, which okay. is really small. But hickory wouldn't. For some that. reason, yeah, other woods don't plain that small, and I, I don't know the whole science behind that. But anyway, then Nirvana came out with yeah, the yeah. unplugged album. That's what I always think of when I think of the. Unplugged and that phrase, meant, yeah. okay, kids, now you can use the hot rods. Sure. A whole nother tidal wave of orders. Yeah. We were back ordered for three years. Wow. Fortunately, Promark allowed me to slowly catch up to keep the quality control up. Because I told him, for me to keep the quality what it is, I can't just bring a pile of people on and just say, spit them out, you know, throw them out the door here. Right. I said, this is a process that people have to learn. And we did. We bring gradually more people in to learn it. And uh, we got caught up in three years. Nice. And in the meantime, these drum sets are coming in, and they're getting stacked, you know, throw them in the warehouse, get them in the, you know, sure. and they're all excellent to mint. Those, you know, those, are, you know, the, that, the, the sized kits that I preferred. Right. And, uh, and then I realized, I'm not going to open up a vintage drum shop. The drumsticks are going way too good. Sure, you know, sure. I was doing really well on that. So <laughs> I, then I started selling drum kits, and I, it's pretty easy to sell them when they're excellent to mint. Right on. You know, that's what people want. You know, no issues. So this yeah. is kind of like I guess the people really started getting into the vintage stuff around the nineties. Yeah, everything just price yeah. went up and up and up. Let me yeah, let me back up too. I was, I was also snare drums were coming in too. Yeah, yeah. Usually twenties. I really went for nineteen twenties, thirties. You know, especially Ludwig and Ludwig. Those at yeah. that time, those were the few. Leedy made gorgeous uh, wooden one piece wooden shells with yeah. nice bearing edges. Of course, their hardware was less desirable. Their Speedway yeah. throw-offs and stuff. They were kind of pretty you have, cheap. You have to like, um, yeah, basically twist it a little bit to. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Back, <laughs> keep it lubed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the, the Gretsch Micro Sensitive came out in the '60s, which I say was uh, the the 
the shape of it is, its design is in the shape of a tombstone for a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always said you got about 57 throws on that thing and before, it, before it destructs. <laughs> sure. So before you throw it on a tune, you got to ask a series of questions. Is this song worth it? How much am I getting paid? Uh, band, if I'm going to throw the wires off, we're going to do all our tunes with wires off at one time before I throw them back on. You know, <laughs> this series of questions. And of course, you, you guys came up with the incredible reproduction sure <laughs> yeah which uh, you know works <laughs> yeah it's got that button on it, yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, but throw-offs i think back then well, rogers made a beautiful throw-off in the 60s yeah there's always yeah, work there, there's yeah. nice even even ludwig's worked yeah. based simple design it worked for you hardware know. i mean rogers was probably the innovator Everything yeah I yeah they're swivomatic so especially for tom holders <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah the lugs kind of uh, yeah the liberty bell lugs so they overdid it on the beaver tail. Yeah, they really yeah. designed a nice lug for that beaver tail lug. Yeah. Um, but their, uh, yeah, the floor tom brackets, I, I know they would also poke a hole in my fiber cases. Uh-huh. <laughs> the key rod. Sure. <laughs> Using the key to, I've always liked Ludwig. Ludwig 60s stands and their uh, brackets for legs, floor tom legs and stuff. Yeah. Just a simple, simple design, lightweight. But. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, uh, and then I became, uh, as I got more money through the drumstick business, I went for higher-end, uh, especially um, unusual finished drums. That's what I really Yeah, you always, you, you've brought some finishes I've never seen before. And then I yeah. last year there was this, like, white and black, um, I think it was maybe a Ludwig. You know, you remember what I'm talking about? It's like you know, a, kind of a white, it looks like a zebra pattern kind of. Oh yeah, that Ludwig and Ludwig. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's that's a, of... that's an uncatalogued finish from the twenties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, speaking of unusual finishes, my nineteen fifty one Gretsch. It's a twenty two thirteen sixteen with a six and a half deep snare. Mm-hmm. I called it the Clua and Cream, and uh, the only people I, I and of course, yeah. Steve Senior asked me to send. The nine by thirteen to the Gretsch factory, and that you, so they you could duplicate the finish, and right. that's where espresso. <laughs> you call it espresso burst, or just espresso? Uh, yeah, you could do either. Yeah, think, okay, I and I don't think you could call it Kalua and Cream. I think that's copyrighted. Or I, yeah, really? I call it Kalua and Cream because that's what it looked like. <laughs> right, but right. it's funny that fifty-one set is so looks. Uh, uh, the, the the guy who played it took such good care of it. Yeah, it was a great story behind it. He bought it, and it was a fifty-one. He bought it in fifty-two at Growth Music in south of Minneapolis in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he passed away, uh, it was a few years back, maybe about seven years ago. His widow went back to Growth Music. They're still there. Wow. And she said, "My husband bought the set from here. Would you be interested in it?" And fortunately, I got it got transferred to me uh, through a good friend of mine there, and uh, Bill Paul, wonderful drummer, wonderful uh, salesperson. Just uh, and um, I ended up with the set. I gave her a really strong money. I opened it up, original calfskin heads, everything on it, and I just yeah. said, "Oh my God!" <laughs> I wasn't, you know. I told her, I said, "This set is in- unbelievable." I said, "It's not a catalog color." I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about the, this is the original Espresso Burst. Uh, and you brought it to maybe the 2012 drum show, maybe? Probably, yeah. I brought it there. And uh, there is, yeah, I brought it there. And there's a video somewhere on YouTube yeah. of you just to walk around and that, you see yeah. the kid in there. We yeah. got some photos too. But I think my dad took of it. I, 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 I picked the setup, and not only 
He had the original receipt for it. Wow. And he had the, re the he bought it on uh, layaway or payment. He may have his receipts for his payments. <laughs> and cool. later he bought some Zill Zildjian Hyatt's receipts for that, this and that. Yeah. I mean, he didn't throw anything away. So I have all that. Very and cool. it's, so it's a definitely a Minnesota set. In fact, I I should set it up and have have Growth Music set it up in their store with the history of it, yeah. you know, and so people can look at it. But I did bring it to the show a few years ago, and people were kind of walking by and they thought it was a brand new one, right? One of your new sets. I had to put a big I sign on that, saying yeah. this is a 1951. Yeah, right. This isn't brand new. <laughs> you know what? You know, and uh, that's it, how clean it is. It's like. Yeah, the, the the original one that you have is it's kind of like a lacquer, I guess, some kind of yeah. Lacquer it's uh, they lacquered the pearl. shell first, and they put like a translucent pearl over it. Wow! So that lacquer, the the sunburst lacquer, is on the wooden shell, yeah, yeah. and then of course the hoops instead of black, they painted them a real dark brown to match that uh, uh, dark uh, yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. Our and, our uh, prototype one has. Uh, has has like brownish lacquer hoops on it. Which yeah, is cool because the most of the ones now they come with an inlaid hoop. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's uh, well, this was inlaid too, but the, the hoop was actually dark brown. Oh, you do, the, yeah, it does have it. The okay. it, it original is inlaid, but yeah. and you you guys are probably uh, you know the only people I would send that to Gretsch for. I mean, I was nervous about it because sure. of course it was sitting on the factory shelf for a month, <laughs> you know. So I had to kind of hey guys, we need the drum back. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for sure. Without that 13, the set just doesn't look right. Right. <laughs> Although some people will play a set like that, but you don't want to present it that way. So, uh, but anyway, that's one of my, another Minnesota set. Yeah. And I do collect Minnesota drums. I'm going to have a feature here. There's some really unusual drums. Uh, in Duluth, the Baldwin snare drum out of Duluth, Minnesota, way, oh God, this is way back. They made this. It was a cast shell with a lum aluminum piece aluminum shell on top and bottom that telescope inside you could adjust it from i believe four and a half to eight inches deep with thumb screws oh wow that's cool so if you're on the gig and say you know this gig i got a five by this gig might require a six and a half inch deep snare drum or maybe a six and three quarter inch deep snare so drum. does does baldwin have anything to do with the piano company? no no just uh, i'm sure it's probably his last name in fact there's a real rare drum out of Minneapolis called an A.M. Hoskins, the original three-way tuning snare drum. Three-way differential tuning. One thumb, it's thumb screws instead of key. One, one, two double thumb screws on the top. One controls the top head, mm -hmm. the other controls the bottom head, and both together control both heads. Did Pat did it. Yeah, it was 1933, I believe, the patent, way before uh, Billy Gladstone's patent. Wow. So that three-way idea goes way back. Did you bring that to the show? Yeah, I did. I, this, yeah, this that was, I brought I three I, three-ways. I, I call yeah. three with that, <laughs> that, the original three-way, I brought the Gretsch three-way, Billy Gretsch Gladstone three-way. Right. And then, of course, a Billy Gladstone three-way. Yeah. And so I had examples of three three-way drums there. That's a tri uh, triumph. But that's a Minnesota <laughs> drum. And also, there's a, a Lalonde, I'm spacing his first name, out of Virginia, Minnesota, uh, designed drums, very unique drums uh, that you could put a, a calf membrane over, and with two pieces of circular pieces, they would slap together over it, and you tighten them, and then you cut the outs outer edge off, hmm. and you wouldn't have to tuck the head. Okay. And then some of them were tuned by just a key on each side, or, four, or, or uh, by a tension rod on each side, or some of them had four tension rods. Wow. And uh, very uh, unique drums. I know Mike Corrado has one, and I have one. Yeah. Uh, another Minnesota drum. So I'm gonna, so one of these shows, I'm just gonna have Minnesota drums. Cool. And, and uh, oh, and, and Lalonde out of Virginia had the pedal 
incredible pedal in the early 30s he had the patent on it really so, advanced so these are yeah the name a couple of minnesota companies that that well lalans uh, oh hey how about martin fleetfoot okay bass drum pedal that's the you know the that's the fa that's the face that launched a thousand ships that's where the acamco and gretsch floating action came from okay that was they're, they're the identical pedal Did just a different name on the yeah and that's where that turned into the drum workshop right. lineage still back to that pedal and wow. that pedal is you can to to this day it would be a great pedal to play. So floating action pedal. What, yeah. What's the difference mechanically? Well, floating. Here? I guess I, on the flo original floating, I think they meant the, the heel plate uh, was uh, attached with a leather. Uh, okay. Float is. I believe that's why they call it floating. Huh. I hope that's why they call it floating. I don't know why else. <laughs> I don't think any else. I know the ones you're be, talking about. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, so I think where however your foot would hit it, it would like an <laughs> Asba Caroline pedal. Are you familiar? Oh, the foot plate just has a strap at the back holding the foot plate to we, the uh, we have one of those bottom players. mechanism. So the foot will swirl. People ran and rave about those. Everyone's yeah. always talking about those. Yeah, the, I play one to this day. I play a, a, a I call it Asba, Asba Caroline. So these are from Fran That's France. France. I'm from France. From France. I'm from France. <laughs> France is well, you have some Asba drum sets here. They were cool, too, yeah. back in the day. Really uh, advanced. And, the, yeah. and they're back. Yeah, they're, they're yeah back I see that. Back. Yeah, I was looking at that. They look we, great. We, we have three kids. We, we still haven't put up a video with one of them. But you I should. You should. Telling my dad to. <laughs> in fact, I asked, yeah, yeah, your dad was telling me he's, he's got an Asba. He's been playing. He goes, he loves it. Yeah. yeah. So I, now, now I'm intrigued. You know, And his it's is a, probably a 20 bass drum, right? Probably. For, other, for those who are listening, I bet you most of you haven't even heard of that company, but it's very. Uh, yeah, Asba out of France. Very cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, very cool. It really advanced. We had a real drum guru in Minneapolis named Ollie Manley who worked at Dahlgren Drum Shop. Mm. Later turned it to Dahlgren Thompson Drum Shop. But Ollie was a real, uh, he's, he's, he would soup up Speed Kings. He'd take these high-performance bearings and put them in them. And, okay. Uh, he was a real, he knew, he knew the bolt size of everything on every piece of hardware. And sure. he was just one of these real scientific uh, you know, gearheads. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cars too and stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, but he brought the Asba pedal into Minneapolis. And he, I think he was also responsible for, for Camco drums coming to Minneapolis. Okay. But, oh, that area, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. I should, St. Paul is the capital city, so I should say. Minneapolis, St. Paul, the metro area in Minnesota. Right. So Ollie Manley brought that stuff in. and Because uh, he realized the quality. Camp, he realized Camco quality. Yeah. Yeah, where other people didn't. And uh, even back then, they'd order uh, the Gretsch sets. They'd order. They wouldn't put Gretsch the mounts on them. The back when they had the monster mount, they called it, I believe. Monster. That's where they drilled the big hole in the room, put the big ball and socket thing, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. big flat piece of metal on the bass drum. And uh, so you're talking about the Camco mount? No, no, the Gretsch. Oh, okay, Gretsch monster mount. They called it monster because it was so scary. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was. That was before that custom that like research hardware. The first yeah. one that they made after they used the rail? Uh, yeah, it was in the 70s they made it. Yeah, the okay. one right after the rail. Right, right. Yeah, that's where they put that big hole in the, the, the <laughs> top tom and, and the big flat piece on the bass drum with the two holes in it and a yeah. little little uh, circular, uh, little curved metal piece that would fall off and get lost. And sure. <laughs> it was a disaster. So they wouldn't even put those under. They'd, they'd highly suggest... We'll put another mount on, whatever you want. You know, if you want Ludwig or you want this or whatever. And uh, so, Camco one's pretty cool, like that yeah. triangular kind of kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. A lot of those didn't hold up though. The uh, the yeah. nylon socket part would fail. Yeah, you and that's so why many you, of those kits, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, it's missing. Yeah, if you set it and forget it, you were okay. But if you keep resetting it, it yeah. would fail on you. 
and that's where they're they're missing. And as the great Jim Gordon metal. did, he put the Ludwig <laughs> Ludwig mount on it. Like I, you guys just picked one up from me with that Ludwig mount on it. Yeah. And I, like I said, if you want to put that old camp, go triangle. It'll cover the holes. We'll probably yeah. keep uh, leave it as it is. Yeah, Whoever, I, I don't let know them where I'm deal with find it. One of those no, yeah, it'll cost an arm and a leg anyway. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, you don't want to spend three hundred dollars or four hundred yeah. for the mount, and to for especially to resell it, you know. Right, <laughs> it's right. A, if somebody buys it, if they want to put that on, let them put yeah, it on. Yeah, but, but it'll be in the yeah. listing. It's a it's yeah, right. <laughs> it's your it's your option, but you can put it on and cover the holes and make that back. You know, what, the original. What's like the uh, a cool Camco finish you have? Rare Camco finish. Well, the rarest one I had, and this was this is a, the famous set that this was uh, way uh, must be 10, 12 years ago now. Uh, the 3D Moray, and for you, don't, don't, it's like a wiggle pitcher. I, imagine it's white bubble wrap in a wiggle, yeah. wiggle pitcher. Yeah, so as you look at it, it moves on you. So, uh, man, yeah. you could have flashbacks if you were a 60s acid <laughs> sure. guy or something. Watch, be careful looking directly at this drum set. <laughs> right. uh, but I had, it was a 2012-14 matching snare that's mint and it was my personal set. And I brought it to the Chicago show just to show. Right. I bring about, most of the stuff I bring is to show. I bring stuff to sell too. Mm. But uh, I bring stuff to show because it's a show. <laughs> you know, it's like a car sure, show. Not sure. everything's for sale there. A lot sure. of people, they show it, you know. Right some people got to get mad. Why are you showing? Were you teasing me? I go, no, it's a show. And, uh, <laughs> but I brought it to show and a guy came up I never saw before. I'm not going to mention, I don't think, he, I don't know if he wants to mention the name, so I, w I won't mention his name. But sure. uh, any. uh out of the blue, this set would have been worth maybe three to four grand because it's so rare and beautiful. He came up at that time and he said, uh, I'll give you seven grand for that set. <laughs> and I, I'm, I arrive at the show pre-fried from no sleep and trying to get everything together. As I'm sitting, I'm thinking, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I said, I'm setting up. I talked to me later, whatever. I, I brushed him off. I didn't, I didn't know him. I thought he was blowing smoke, you know, sure. up somewhere. And, uh, you know, so anyway, for later on that night, uh, setting up the previous Friday night, he comes over, he goes, okay, eight grand. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who he is, but I go, okay. I said, I said, cash. He goes, yeah. I go, okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it's one of those kits I never wanted to sell. Yeah, but yeah. there comes a point where yeah, you, you got to sell it. Do you, you think guy still owns it probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to sell it. So I, I said, you out. obviously want this kit a lot more than I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, he gives me $8,000. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah, cash for it. Right. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, that kit... Um, I know you, you know you know the fellow very well, and he had the kid for quite a while, enjoyed it and stuff, and he decided to sell it, and it sold through you and went out to San Francisco. Oh, nice! <laughs> and uh, through another person we know real well. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she had it. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of narrowing it down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. most you know. What we're but she's about. <laughs> a great, she's a wonderful collector, great collector. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but she had it and enjoyed it for you know, quite a period of time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she decided, let's let somebody else enjoy this set. And again, sold it through you. And I think it was around that, that same amount of money. you know. Sure. And it sold again to another great collector from, I think, New York City, New York area. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've seen this kid a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it sold uh, three times for around eight grand or more. And it's funny, somebody came up to me and they asked, so what do you think that kit's worth? And I'm scratching my head. I said, well, let's see. If it sold for eight grand for the three times, I'm thinking about eight grand? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> right around there. Yeah, probably. I think it's established itself already, hasn't it? <laughs> and it's a case of, I always say, always collect the best top, and there are always people who pay more 
for mint condition. They want, you know, if, let's face it, it's not like guitars. Guitar collectors will get on me like, oh, you drummers, you're so fussy, you know, you know. And I said, hey, you got two dozen, two dozen guitars, you can still fit them in a room easily or even a big closet. Yeah. Try to fit two dozen drum sets in a room. Right. You know, so we're fussier. You know, so drum sets, oh, look at, oh, there's a scratch, look at that. Oh, there's a hole on the bottom of the bass drum, forget it, <laughs> you know. You know, it's like, so the drummers, are they're, they're just fussier. Although they're getting less fussy now. Yeah. I, I see the change. In fact, in case the Campco set I gave you, it's got road wear on it. You know, yeah. it's got, it's checkered, it's got no, mix. Honestly, I, I like that. So, so, yeah. You know some of my favorite kits I've ever, I've yeah. ever played? I like Gretsch late 70s or 80s kits that are just beat up. Yeah, like, they're, I, I they're mean, like, nice. 18, yeah, 12, nice. 14s that yeah. like... This thing has been like thrown downstairs, like yeah. But it's it's just it, they sound so good. They're those old Jasper shells, which I don't know if it makes a huge difference, but and, and they just they have so much. Uh, I don't know. They earned it. Yeah, they earned <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, this set. Soul. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this set. This set's made some music. You know, it's been like it, it, yeah. the drum cases have like. Uh, uh, you know, um, the, the big A on it for um, Anarchy, you know, oh. it's been, it's been a punk rock band, it's been yeah, a metal yeah. band. It's been <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh God, yeah. Yeah, well this set, I was looking at it now, these, this, that's an L.A. Camco set he got from me, it was a 22, 13, 16. Right. Surprisingly, I, I know a, a number of uh, uh, the top Camco collectors, none of us can recall ever seeing in Camco Los Angeles 22, 13, 16. Oh yeah. This yeah. is the only one. Uh, maybe we have, but we can't remember. But they're usually double Thompson's top. Right, right, totally. Yeah, 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 and that's the only ones we can remember. And this was a catalog set for them even. Yeah. But you'd think there'd be more 22, 13, 16, but they're usually 22, 12, 13, 16s, or 24, 12, 13, 16s, or, you know, that yeah, configuration. I, I can't think of really seeing Yeah, in L.A. Now, Oakland there is. Of course, well, the big Oakland yeah. player, well, another one beside, uh, oh, Nick Ciroli from Tijuana Brass, Jim Gordon, the... the Tons of songs were recorded on Campco in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, also, who am I? Oh, Doug Clifford, Cosmo from, from uh, Creedence Clearwater. Yeah. Where's that great Campco? Listen to the drums on those albums. <laughs> yeah, and um, there's been those, are, that's a 22, 13, 16 Oakland kit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Jim Gordon, even from Oakland to Chanute, uh, his, he played both. Uh, uh, great recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Great recording drums. That's Absolutely. that's they were they were they were more probably more common in studio than anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Then playing. Oh, what your, I should say what Beach Boys drum. Uh, Dennis Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Played a set. Played a set <laughs> out there. And of course, Alice Cooper's drummer. They won't mention him, but in the catalog. But they had Alice Cooper blue and Alice Cooper white. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't don't, don't they don't mention the drummer. That's funny. But <laughs> Alice Cooper. I didn't know Alice Cooper played drums. <laughs> Honestly. I, yeah, I, I thought he was just saying, but they wanted maybe, to name name drop the uh, yeah name drop. Here, here's his color, white head, and blue. That's that's from the L.A. era of Camcos. Yeah, L.A. era of Camcos. So, but. do you remember uh, when you first kind of got to know my my dad? Oh wow, that goes way back. I I was probably there, but I was a little yeah. a little runt. I'm at this point. I'm trying. <laughs> I can't remember the first time we met. But I knew he had, he had, he was he was had taste. He had high good taste. I remember my I remember first him show a, that I yeah. went to. I also remember being a, him being a, still he still is a great player. Oh sure, good yeah. chops, nice <laughs> you know nice. It's nice to see, hear people. He was can, the Dynasonic guy. He was the Dynasonic guy, and I remember buying those. I, you, you've never he and a few different guy. people. 
Yeah, I remember the wooden dinosonic craze. Did you, did you ever have a, a collection of wooden dinosonics? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't get rid of it before the bubble burst. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the wooden dinosonics. That's a Still case of some? about three, I think, three, but your dad, one of them. I always joke around, it's three people with too much money who decide <laughs> they're going to collect one of every color in a wooden dinosonic, sure. and all of a sudden, the, you know, people are paying over two grand for a blue sparkle dinosonic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm scratching my head thinking, Geez, I like power tones better. And even some of the people collecting wooden dinosaurs. Especially wood ones. The metal yeah, ones wood, sound better. Yeah, <laughs> any wood dinosaurs were saying, yeah, I like power tones better too, but I collect wooden dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're, they're, dinosaurs are like super dry. Yeah. You know what I like dinosaurs? Oh, they're gorgeously like, built, especially the lackered things. interior and everything. I mean, right. they're a masterpiece of engineering and stuff. But what, what finishes have you had on those? Oh, God, I've had like red onyx in six and a half and five. Different. I still have a white marine pearl. Five and a six and a half. Yeah. I'm, I usually try to say beaver tail. They're all beaver tails. Okay. I'm allergic to bread and butter lights. Sure. Yeah. I had a bad experience with them. I sold a set to Ned Ingberman one time. That uh -huh. was a mint black diamond beaver tail, 22, 13, 16 Dinosonic, wood matching Dinosonic, with the all original heads, with the instructions on the bottom head of the Dinosonic on how to tune it. Right, right. And... Uh, so this set looked like it came out of the showroom. I sent it to Ned, and I don't know if it was true or not, but uh, he told me all the lugs were broken, uh, <laughs> cracked. And I spent the next year trying to find bread and butter lugs. And now I, 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 it gives, gives me anxiety just to look at them. So <laughs> yeah, it's just personally, but I know some people there, I know it's a gorgeous design and that stuff, but it's just my experience with them. I've always liked the way they look, but yeah. They, and if anyone out there has one of those, just maybe if you're not, if you're storing it, just loosen the heads a lot because yeah. if you keep them really tight, yeah, it's going to get worse and worse. It's a Liberty it's Bell lug. If, if they're not broken, play it, they'll break. And yeah. uh, But like I said, they're restoring those lugs now. There, there's a, people who do it very successfully. They have Are a they system like for that. Are they welding them now? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I believe they're do, doing some welding. Laser yeah, welding. Yeah, I, I don't quite know how. I don't want to go into it. I, I'm spacing out how they do it. but I know um, that symbol repair has yeah. gone. You know, people taking those old Ks. and Is, is that my old set then? I could... This one's a 22, 22, 13. Oh, no, 16. no, that's not it. Oh, okay, no. Yeah. I have so many old Camco kits. I know where most of them are. Your one, if I if I remember correctly, does have some checking on the top of the 20, right? On mine? Yeah, I think. I, I don't think they did. I can't remember. It may unless not they have do had it when you had it. But yeah, it may, may have traveled developed. around the country so One much. thing, yeah. folks, satin flames, or a Camco called satin flame moray, which is French for wiggle, or wiggle, I think. Nice. <laughs> moray. But satin finishes, don't scratch them, folks, because you're not going to get that scratch out. Yeah, yeah. you can see here, this yeah. guy, they just, the, I think it's the humidity. And then yeah, the, it could, they, the from the hole, grows. from the hole, it goes out, yeah. Right. And so you can't yeah. really avoid that. That's why I've gotten rid of all my moray kits. I've, I've had, I had a blue moray that looked like brand new. Oh, man, that's cool. I, I called it the Beach Boy that. kit. Yeah. 2012 40. It looked like brand new. I had it at the pattern? Chicago show one year. I came my, and just to show, and I walked back to my booth, and some guy's got the floor tom over his head, and he's looking into it, into the light over it. It's completely over his head. And I'm looking at my, I, and I come up to him, I grab the drum, grab, take it away from him, I put it down. And I, 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 I said, you know, don't don't start working out with my drums. They're, they're, these <laughs> what are, are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. You know, people just, I remember once bringing, a gold plate, 24 gold-plated uh, Ludwig gold drum. Somebody had mm. did, this is back when gold was cheap. They gold-plated the whole drum. 
Oh, yeah, you talk it's, about it's yeah, just show, yeah. it's amazing. You need sunglasses to look at in the sun, forget it. You're gonna burn your uh, sure, yeah. They, and then that, so they put it, it's like a they, a they had everything pattern. gold, they had everything gold, and that's a stip like a uh, sparkle pattern only it's what on a wooden stuff? metal shell. I don't know what it is, yeah. but it's like a sparkle pattern, but on a metal shell. And there's there's Ludwig gold, and then Lud there's gold stipple. Yeah, stipple gold would be a thicker version of it. Yeah. 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 I, had a, I had a would, really cool Ludwig gold when I first started here, maybe seven years ago. No, going yeah. to 10 years ago now. And uh, I remember that one. That that was a really nice drum. It, it kind of cracks, though. Yeah. That's just. But I had the gold one at the show, and it looks like a brand new 1920s drum. Because yeah. it's brand new gold plated, and after it got gold plated, nobody hardly touched it, of course. Sure. And I have it for sure. And I'm watching some guy there. He's got the drum in his hands. He's rolling it all around, touching every part of the drum. <laughs> I finally went up to him. I said, "You know, I think there might be a square inch on there that you haven't touched yet. <laughs> oh, man. You know, what's what are you what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's this is gold plated. Do does the drum have to be totally handled all the way around? Right. You know, it's like so. I, I generally don't put don't. Gold, like That's gold. why when I put up a Billy Gladstone. Now I put, don't touch. Yeah. Because some people <laughs> just don't. And then if they ask me, I said, yeah, can I handle it? I said, go ahead. Or like Bunny would, Bunny even gave me a pair of gloves. He said, you haven't put gloves That's on. That's smart. Yeah, put I'm some gloves on. people don't do that. Yeah. yeah, and especially if it's lacquer hardware. Like chrome is tough as nails. You just wipe it off. It's no big deal. But if it's a lacquer hardware or lacquer finish, yeah. gloves would be a good way to go. But I'll let people handle it. You know, I'm going to have a, a, a next year's show at Rob Cook's show. I'll have uh, Billy's uh, personal Billy Gladstone there. Oh, cool. Um, and I've been waiting. I wanted to display it at this, the 30th anniversary, but I want everybody there to see it. I'm going to display it. What's the finish it. on that one? Uh, gold finish with gold hardware. Okay, nice. This is like the one that came kind of? Yeah, gold lacquer. Gold, gold lacquer finish. Shell. It's gold, 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 gold hardware. Very and that's cool. yeah, and it's the deep one. And it's the one he played. And then what's the name on that one? Who, who? Billy Gladstone. So, <laughs> he put his own name on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, are like, uh, they have well, he just put under me <laughs> 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 or mine. <laughs> right. Like, I have a set of all, all the peisty sound edge hi-hats, and I, I, I take them out of the case. Here. I'm going to try these for a while. I look at them in, in, in marker. I put mine. It says <laughs> mine on there. I goes, well, these must be mine. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but no, his name is on there, and that's it, his name. Um, and uh, cool. but, but I'll show that, but I'll... If somebody wants to handle it, they can put on gloves and handle it. Is there a picture of that drum in the old Gretsch book? There might. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think a lot, a lot of people don't know where it was for many years. I've had it for many years, and I wanted to display it uh, out of respect for Rob Cook. I wanted to display it at his show. Yeah. That's yeah. why I want to unveil it there. And the thirtieth, I wanted to do it at the twenty-fifth. But the vehicle I rented to come down with, they didn't have for me. They gave me like a glorified ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even know if the vehicle would make it. They said, we're all out of minivans, you know, what I rented. Oh, well, we got that thing back there. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, it was a real rattle trap. And I just said, oh, oh the Billy's not going down this year. Because sure. I don't know the value of that drum, but it's up there. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't wear. I want to wear it around my neck like, uh, you know, with flavor, flavor, like a, like a clock or whatever, you know. So I, I didn't want to be uh, latched to it with handcuffs. So, sure. uh, so, but next year's show, it, it, it should arrive at next year's show. And if somebody wants to handle it, they can, I'll, they can put on gloves and handle it. it you know, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, it's there. And eventually, I'd like to get it someplace where people, maybe the MIM, if you, if you don't know what the MIM is, it's the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, Arizona. It okay. is incredible. 
It's a destination site. When you go there, they ask, do you want a one-day or two-day pass? Ooh. And I say, what? Two-day? And they said, yeah. and the, the, the lady said, she said, you'll see what I mean. That much I think the, the one-day pass, and as I'm leaving, I said, wow, easy two days here. Cool. They have instruments from all over the world. It is a massive building, just massive. To drive out. It's west. in the northern northern Phoenix suburb. It is incredible. I can't say everybody who has seen it just yeah. raves about it. Even check it out online a little bit. And they have installations. I think I was there when they had the. Oh, this was funny. They had the birth of the ampli electric amplifier, okay. guitar amplifier installation. And, uh, you know, they, people all put their stuff on loan, you know, famous guitar, Clapton's guitar, sure. you, know, uh, you know, George Harrison's guitar, all this, this amp, some, you know, all this stuff, incredible stuff, all these incredible guitars and amps in, this, in these massive the big rooms. And there's only one drum set in the middle. I'm walking up to it. It's a Camco drum set. Nice. I'm going, what's a drum set doing in the middle of this amplifier installation? And... Uh, I, it's it's Cosmos. Doug Clifford's from Maca from Creedence Clearwater. It's his okay. set, cool. his Walnut Campco twenty two thirteen sixteen. That's the only original. It had a newer Superphonic on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's you could tell uh, it was really beat up. So you could tell, sure. man, this thing's got some. This this has history. This this set has serious mojo. Been around the block. And uh, they even had a and they had him talking about it and they said, man, we were playing so loud. He said, I kept breaking cymbals. Cracking them night after night after night, and the solution to the problem was buy more cymbals. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And back then, the drummer, God, sometimes they probably wouldn't even mic the drums, yeah, or they yeah. put one overhead mic or whatever, you know. For live shows. Yeah, live. Oh, what a nightmare. It must have been uh, interesting. I, I I watch, let's say, for example, maybe like Weather Report, uh, some of like the fusion stuff that was going on. Yeah, was that and with the, Eric Gravatt by any chance? Or, or on drums? After? Yeah. This was probably Peter Erskine. Oh, later, yeah. Eric yeah. was your first guy, yeah. But the, who was a mini who was who was Minneapolis guy, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's Mini, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Weather Report. Oh, what a great band. Oh, oh but, but it, it, Jocko. It, yeah, it seems like a, back yeah, then yeah. the the house mixes were maybe like a little less like blow your head off bass. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that that's cool. Nowadays, man, everyone's just obsessed with bass. And it's yeah, like, I know. Yeah, and then you go you go play a show. I've I've played shows at like little clubs, yeah. And you get the sound guy like, all right, play your bass drum. It's like a it's like a jazz show kind of, you know? Yeah, or maybe right. Like a fusion show, and I'm like, okay, boom. <laughs> He's trying <laughs> to make you sound like crumbling. Bonham, right? Yeah, it's like, I, I don't need all that, man. <laughs> this is uh, this isn't hard rock, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I always tell young drummers, I say, <laughs> when you get to a club, make friends with the sound tech. Yeah. Buy them a drink, do whatever, make friends with them. I said, because you got all these sliders and they're all difficult. Yeah. Everybody else has one and they're easy. They're usually DI. We're direct, direct, in direct boxes, input. Right. Everybody else is an easy mix. You are hard. Drum, if the, drums, if the yeah. sound tech don't like you, that bank, you go, yeah, hell with that. <laughs> you <Sure>. know, <laughs> if he really likes you, you know, you know, you're going to get, you get a good mix. He's the guy who's going to make or break you. And, and probably don't, don't don't try and dictate to him what you want because he yep. probably knows his room. Yeah, yeah. You, you can and, you can tell him your sound, kind of what you're going for, and also <laughs> they want a hole in your bass drum. You know, if you're you yeah, know, you know they, that, that's one. Thing. In a jazz situation, it's not you know no, but but if you're in rock and roll, R and B, or country, they that's want a hole in your bass drum. It does give you more power, but I for for our videos, I never do that. Because no, no. It yeah. maxes out the diaphragm of the mic. It literally because it's air that's hitting. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. air, it, it will give you a strong punch, but 
it just if you look at the the waveform, it always just flattens it. You know? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, and if you have to put a hole, put the smallest hole possible. Sure. I, I've, I'm used to playing with a hole in my basement. So I'm, my basement, I played, used to play big venues always in the bases, always might. And yeah. if the sound tech wants a hole in the basement, he gets it. Sure. That's it. I don't, I, whatever he wants, he gets, because he's my sound. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. You know, whatever you want, you got it. He's you out know? there listening. He, that's he right. Yeah, you, you know, if that's what you desire, you what get you it. What you hear in the monitors is similar to what yeah, they're getting yeah, out there. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. I, I wish I could go and see like a, a 70s live show. Because yeah, I hear, I watch recordings of it. Yeah. And it just seems like, yeah, the... The, the low end was a little more in control. So it's, it's cause it, you know, old, old music, everyone really likes old music. They'd say like the, the bass was clean, cleaner back then. Mm. A lot of that is just cause there's a lot less of it. And if you listen to old recordings, the whole like EQ curve, modern stuff, it's like this, you know, the bass is way high. But yeah, yeah. Old, old yeah. stuff, it's kind of even. Mm -hmm. And then it came to the point where they felt the drum should be on top. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. which is sometimes too much. I was listening to the through Wisconsin, the land of country music, by the way, <laughs> uh, a lot of and a lot of fields, uh, some oh, new Wisconsin, country, yeah. some new country in there. And God, the drummers, sometimes they have hip hop drummers or whatever. Sure. <laughs> like, which I, I have to laugh. Somebody came up with the term hick hop. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> oh god I, I burst out laughing i never heard that so before. they're doing a little rap with a country you know uh, yeah. country is not i don't know even know what country music means anymore you know <laughs> i think it's just a song like pat benatar or you know whatever but then again i i, I these guys like uh god chris stapleton come along or sturgill simpson and stuff and i i like that stuff but it's, it seems to me more like southern rock to me yeah yeah, yeah it's southern rock it's that real soul got a lot of soul in it I, I think, I think Chris country. Stapleton's probably scaring the hell out of everybody you're, in country. <laughs> you ever listen to uh, George Jones, I think? He's God, a, George Jones was great. That's, that's that old stuff. stuff is great. I love the way they tune the drums. Yeah. Because they, they tune them properly. In my yeah. opinion, <laughs> that's well, some, even some of those, those guys are jazzers, too. Those guitar yeah, players exactly. and stuff. You know, More you go open from by Bob Wills, and they come from that. Yeah. Yeah, they know chords. They, they know their chords and stuff. Got Chet West, Atkins. Yeah, yeah. Guys, Chet right. Atkins was no slouch, you know. There were, sure. Those country guys were, you know, they were. <laughs> they were Nashville Cats, one of my favorite tunes. Love it. Yeah. Those Nashville Cats, clean as country water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard a tune? Yeah, you're young. You probably haven't. No, I don't I don't, I don't know. Listen it. to it. Nashville cats, they clean as country water. Yeah. The wildest Mountain Dew. Been playing since days of babies. I'll scope it out. Yeah, about Nashville players. And those play God, they're so... I remember uh, a couple years ago, I was in Nashville, a buddy of mine, one of the few singer-songwriters down there, <laughs> guitar players, told me, go get... Uh, Jim Oblong is his name. I said, go check out this guitar player. And he said, I think it was at some VFW in East Nashville. Let's go, Jim. You'll see all the Nashville guitar players watching him yeah. in the audience. And he said his daytime gig is drummer for Paul Simon. Uh, <laughs> and he says on keyboards too. He's the same same talent on keyboards too. Wow. It's like those yeah. guys. Some guys are just way too talented. You know, sure. <laughs> it's like stop it, stop it already. Uh, yeah, stop, just stop it. But uh, but and some kids coming up too, man. All they, everything is there for them. Yeah. You know, it's not in our day to try to pick, even to try to pick up stuff. But if it's written down, you could always get it. Somebody would, you know, write it down for you. But to try to get it off a record or something. Now, you can even digitally, you can slow it down and pick it. I know guitar yeah. players do that a lot. When I was in college, yeah, there was yeah. this thing called the Amazing Slow Downer, which would, it was oh, this digital thing. It would slow yeah. it down and not change the pitch. 
Yeah, so right. Yeah. That's it. But that's cheating. Yeah, I know it's cheating, but <laughs> I, now I transcribed the, yours, you know, the Louis Belson song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these kids come up, and I know this yeah. kid can play like Jimi Hendrix or like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I said, yeah. The thing is, Stevie, Stevie, Jimi Hendrix could play like that before anybody else. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, key, that came out of himself, his head, you know. Yeah, it didn't come yeah. out of other records or, or, or digital or anything it can you know, be online. Difficult. It didn't come online. It's, yeah, it's, it can be difficult nowadays. There's so much information that it's yeah. hard not to be derivative. Yeah, right, you know? right. Sometimes it's over. Well, back then it was kind of nice. You get your base, you know, you learn, you mimic people, yeah. and then you use that as your springboard to try to be, develop your own voice. Right, right. I guess that's the key with any true musician or vocalist or whatever. You want like a vocalist. There's some vocalists, you know, like Stevie Winwood. His voice you know anywhere, you know. Yeah. He can be with anybody or, you know, some, Mel Torme would be one. Sure. You know, that's, <laughs> nobody sounds like that, you know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to be your own, you know, to, to find your own voice. I guess that's always the key. And playing too. I remember the first time I learned, a, I know everybody did it, even Gab doesn't know, but the bottom, the boom. The, the rough, the, the snare, top hat, floor tom, kick. Boom, boom. Yeah. First time I learned that, I overused that for the first year, and then finally I wouldn't touch it again for years. <laughs> I said, what am I doing? That makes me think of yeah. Max Roach and Big Sith. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It goes way back. Yeah, it goes way back. It's really when you, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like the massive flam, like a make yeah. double flam. Yeah, you know, I, got, I got volume too, guys. It's like when these rockers would get this 20-inch China type. The band starts getting too loud. I'm going to start hammering that thing and beat your sure. guys into submission. I used to. I remember one rock and roll band I played. They they would say, "True rock and roll, each man for himself." <laughs> this was a band called Cats Under the Stars. Well, they played everything. They, they were kind of jazz oriented, rock and roll, R&B, Deadheads, and a <laughs> mixture of their bluegrass, everything. Yeah, yeah. those wild mixes and stuff. But, but just a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, so, you, had a, you had a decent show. You, you had fun at least. It's, I had a, you know, I, this show I didn't do really well uh, selling. I kind of picked up stuff that people didn't want this year. You brought a cool kit though. I, I love that Gretsch clown clown kit. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's from the. Uh, it's a Shriner kit uh, from the. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 it's from Minneapolis or Minnetonka, suburb of Minneapolis. And there, for those Fun listening, things. there's a walkthrough video that I'm yeah. going to put up before this yeah. so you can see it there. And, and it's a yeah, 2021 uh, drum show. This would be a multi band yeah. Yeah, set. And, and the bass drum head probably makes a set. There's a picture of a, a clown painted on the bass drum. Very that's cool. That's incredible. Yeah. All this is from the mid 60s. Is that a calfskin head that's been painted? No, it's the plastic one. Plastic In fact, head. if you look from the back, you see the Gretsch logo on it. Oh, okay, cool. It. Yeah, you can see the silhouette of the Gretsch. They must have had like a it. local artist make that. Yeah, film. and he painted it, and he loved it. painted it while the head was on the bass drum hoop. Yeah, yeah, I didn't take it off, but yeah. And fortunately, <laughs> it's a twenty bass with a twelve fourteen matching snare. Yeah, and the nice sizes. So, yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, and yeah. So, but next year, the, the next year's show, I'll be all in. I'm gonna. I, this I year, I went down to one. One one space. Next year I'm back to two. I've always been two spaces. We'll probably bring some stuff next yeah. year too. We yeah. this, this year we just brought like a video. <laughs> you yeah. have to watch all our videos. No, no, actually, I think everybody's been bottled up for so long, and the people that couldn't get to the show, about half of them came to the show. Was about half full this year. Still yeah. a fun show. Great to see everybody. Tough to, to get me, here if you're coming from yeah, for over flying, the pond. Yeah, <laughs> especially overseas and stuff. Yeah. Next year, everybody will be there. Look out. All hell's going to break loose. Bring your earplugs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> But uh, it's the, it'll be great next year. Everybody's so, like I said, so bottled up. They're going to love it. For those, be, yeah. we, we all know, like, because, I mean, 
we're all musicians. Our, our ears are valuable. Yes. We need them. We, you only have so many, you know, powerful rim shots. Mm -hmm. and this year, there's always one guy who's, I know. who's right next to you and you're not expecting it. And it's just the world. Bam! That rim shot. I, I had With one the of the world's loudest yeah. snare gun. Yes, the world's loudest snare yeah. gun. Made of some high-tech metal. <laughs> and then some guy starts out with a rim shot that, you know, like he's pounding it. Yeah. Know, pounding a nail with a hammer. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Could you give me a warning yeah. before you do that? Yeah, I know. They should. In fact, yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah. And, you got, and then you got the people there like, listen to my chops, everybody, for a half hour. Sure. Like, shut <laughs> up, dude. The jam session started. Yeah, the jam right. show's even worse. The, oh, the yeah, <laughs> at least they do police it, though. Do you ever run a jam show? I, I used to go quite, quite a bit back with the drumstick with Promark. Yeah, I wish they and, still did that in Chicago, man. That'd be cool. Now yeah, that'd be cool, too. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably go to the next NAMM show just for the old times. The first the NAMM show I went to, I was just so overwhelmed. I ended too, up in man. the wrong level the, where they had the, the, the <laughs> grand pianos. Oh, yeah. A massive room full of grand pianos. I said, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. This is big. And then I finally found that, you know, it was just, I was walking around. I call it NAMMstruck. It's overwhelming. I was yeah, just, absolutely. I was had a glaze. And then you kind of have, have to have a... Uh, a and you plan get, you get nothing you done then. Yeah, you like, need a plan because it's easy to get sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. I walked totally around. There's Carol K playing bass with a couple little people and got you know a couple of players, little trio and stuff. And you got Joey D. Francesco. Over yeah, there. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these every all these famous players. Every I almost got knocked over by who's the guy with Kiss? Uh, Gene Simmons. Oh yeah, doing a reality show. Ooh. The camera crew's coming down and it bang, bang, get knocked out of the way because he's walking through. That's funny. And he goes, he, he goes to the uh, Zildjian booth and he takes a drumstick and he balances on it on his nose. <laughs> and I'm cool. thinking, this guy does have talent. <laughs> nice. Uh, and he borrows this good, a real good looking uh, uh, a gal in the booth next to us to, just to come along because he needs a good looking woman. You know, sure. To, <laughs> you know, to hang out with them for a, for a little bit of the video. Yeah. And at the end of though, she's part of this whole bit. At the end, she asked him for his autograph. He said, no, you'll just sell it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nothing. She got nothing for her. She got used. Yeah, but it was funny. <laughs> but yeah, I used to have a ball there with, it, with Promart. Because Promart was yeah, like yeah. family to me. Right. And uh, in fact, when I was with the drumsticks, I never had a contract with them. We just had verbal agreement. Oh, wow. We had to finally have a contract eventually when they wanted to go after somebody who was knocking them off. Oh, okay. In fact, in the beginning, first 10 years, we had what I called an assumed verbal agreement. Yeah. I could have went off on my own anytime. I could have had Vic Firth or anybody make sticks for me and be a big player. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been right. Herb, Herb treated me right. We, we yeah, had mutual respect cool. for each other. So, And another thing I'm really proud of, of with my business, well, I sold it at the end of 2012, a mm -hmm. uh, wonderful guy, Ed. Ed Bernatch uh, bought it. It's in the Minneapolis area. Uh, I had nine employees. One at that time was leaving. Uh, so I had eight and I told him, I said, you, you keep all your employees, everything will be fine. And yeah. to this day, he still has them all. That's awesome, man. <laughs> and so to leave it, because I, I guess when you start a business, you, you kind of eventually become responsible for other people's lives yeah, as yeah. you bring higher people. Right. And it's something you don't think about because you're starting to think, can I make it? Can I get a few bucks out for this and stuff? And eventually, as a balloons, you know. And I know, unfortunately, with Promark, uh, when uh, they were bought by somebody, uh, they were, D. Dario bought them. Yes, yep, right. That's, that's right. Now, that's, yeah. I remember that now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs. And it's, you know, because... It was, I don't know, overlap. I don't know. I don't know the reason for it, but 
but yeah, I mean, that that's sad. It was just sad. To the old see. WFL Olympic story, you know. That's yeah, cool. yeah, it's just sad to see all those. You know, like I said, they were like family, and yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, but you know, uh, but uh, that's business, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's with me. I was able to do it. I was able to keep, you know, people. The, the hot rods are still made in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Oh, that's good. And they now they ship them to New York City. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that salsa make? New York City. Remember that commercial? Sure. Instead of Texas. <laughs> this salsa made in New York City. <laughs> I think I remember. How do that. they know about making salsa? But, <laughs> but D. Dario, incredible string. Oh, God. I saw the, the, how they make strings. Mm. It's mind-boggling how. Yeah, no, I've never and seen they that. have a full-time uh, machine shop. A full, fully... Uh, for, they have uh, employees, full-time full employees in the machine shop. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, uh, they told me, they said, you come back, you know, in a couple of months, it won't be the same. Something will be different. Yeah, they're they're constantly developing. Innovating. Yeah, constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a machine shop. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then, of course, they make, I got to see Evan's drum heads. Oh, they're made. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. They got uh, the, the new uh, skin tone, I think. Those are cool heads. That, yeah. I, I don't do a ton with Evan's just because... I always just use Remos on all the videos and stuff, but they yeah. make great stuff. It's not yeah, that, right. Yeah, it's not that yeah. I don't like them. It's just yeah. kind of like and you know what I use. I, I use uh, like I have sixties and seventies ambassador heads, stacks of them. Oh yeah, Remo ambassadors, <laughs> the old ones. And they they were the ones that came on the vintage drums. So with the tiny little logos on them. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah instead yeah. of the big crown, I've seen tiny little crown logos that those on edges. In fact, I remember one time years ago, I got a bunch from you. Yeah, <laughs> I bought a bunch. You had a bunch in the back. In the old. Uh, yeah, in the in the, the, the old tiny, boxes. the tiny little in the little store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had a bunch of them. I said, yeah, I use those on I, on my vintage drums and you know, coat of I always say if you can't make a drum sound good with coat of ambassadors, yeah, it's, it's either the drummer, it's you, it's not the head. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Unless the head's out or something's wrong with the head, but it's you know, but they that's what they always had: coat of ambassadors, or then the diplomat or the emperor. Do you use, uh, on your snare side, do you use ambassadors or diplomats? I use ambassadors everywhere. Some snare people side, are a big diplomat. Yeah, diplomats will work too, but I, I get enough, the ambassadors resonate enough for me. Yeah. And I don't use real, real wires, <laughs> wires either. Just use good wires. The, my favorite snare now is a Camco 8-lug 5x14 wood. Hmm. And, uh, this, and they're all different. Yeah. They all have a little different mojo, a little different magic to them, but this one... This one really sounds nice. They have a nice casual snare bed. Not un, very unlike the Gretsch wooden ones. Those are huge. The man. beds go way in. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, and you always get that ripple in there. And they, I think they may know. have been the first guys to do the what, like fifty-two or no? Yeah, the wide strand. Not fifty-two, but how nobody's how? ever been able to count them. And that's yeah. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> too many. I lost count. I and lost, they they, they kind of dead the drum. It yeah. doesn't really. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's kind of weird to put that on a drum with a super deep snare. Yeah. <laughs> that it would seem like you'd want real thin wires on that snare bit. But yeah. But there's a Gretsch, there's a Gretsch snare sound, which is kind of boxy and like breathy maybe. Yeah. It, it can be good for certain things. Yeah. yeah. But it's not usually what I'm going for. Yeah. It's not usually what most drummers are going for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've got an Elvin story about that, but I, I don't think I can tell it. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, tell maybe you. next year we'll do yeah, another next one. Yeah, I'll go quick. Art, uh, let's see. Art, yeah, well, Art Blakey story. Quick one. Uh, Art Blakey at a yeah, go for it. At a uh, <laughs> uh, clinic. Anyway, Art uh, starts the clinic. Art, Art says, "Hey, hi everybody." Uh, goes and he starts pointing on people. He says, "Why do you play drums?" 
And uh, the guy says, well, you know, for artistic expression or whatever, why do you play drums? Well, it helps me. It gives me, you know, these creative, lofty answers and sure. artistic answer. Why do you play drums? And, you know, everybody's asking him. It's, and it's intimidating. He points right at you and asks you. Yeah. So you have to answer. You have to give him something. Everybody gets done and he just says, I play drums to feed my family. <laughs> awesome. And the room got really quiet. It's like, oh boy, he's going to be better. I, you know, that's, a, that's an incentive. Yeah. Feed my family. You know? But I, was, I always love stories like that where you know, people, sure. and there's quite a few Elvin, about Elvin. Yeah. Who is, I believe it. What a major character. Yeah. Yeah, so I never got to see either of them. So oh, yeah. I saw Elvin quite a few. One time, he was, he was, he was a little worried, so he said, we were at a booth right behind. This was at the Dakota Jazz Club, the old old club in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. It was really nice because you'd even sit behind the band. Yeah. And we were right behind the drums. And Elvin comes out, we're sitting in the booth right behind the drums. He comes out, hey guys, I'm a little early. Mind if I sit up, sit with you for a while? And he <laughs> no. said, just chatting around, chatting around. And of course, we're right behind him, so we get the, well, the loudest thing we hear from the drums is his growling. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, ah, ah. You know, as he plays, he growls. Sure, and sure. It was, it was so cool. Yeah, That's so the best cool. thing about jazz, man, the intimate. Yeah, know, yeah. I've been to clubs like that. Yeah, see yeah. On the stage. It's <laughs> and it, it's a club. I can try anything. I remember Brian Blade going for a fill and just blowing it. And he just burst out laughing. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's how he plays. so loose, yeah. experimental. And you're, you're experimenting. Not everything's going to work. Sure. And same with the players, you know, your experience doesn't work, then. but if some little thing does work, you imagine, you, know, you put it away and go, okay, that worked, I'm going to try that later and then do something else with it, you know? Yeah. And that's where, that jazz is you know, the ultimate. That's where even incredible classical musicians sometimes, you know, you find that jazz is the first love. Yeah. You know, even though it's structured and everything they, they are, you know, is written down, they, they realize that, man, with this, with this music, I have freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, in rock and roll, you're pretty restrained. And, you know, I think Pete Thompson said you count to four and start all over again. Yeah, especially <laughs> as, a, as a drummer. Yeah, yeah as a drummer, yeah. You, it, yeah. you really, in jazz, you really get to become part of that part The whole right? conversation. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, more yeah. in the conversation. Whereas you're you in, know? in, you have a very set role yeah. in rock. Yeah, where you're in okay. the drummer, <laughs> and the drummer, you're more of the foundation that right. we're, we're building on. Yeah, you know, it's not you know, don't talk, that, don't talk back. That's why more people. It makes it more accessible, yeah. I think, when when people are because people are kind of they know what's coming next, so they feel like they can become a part of it more. Oh. Whereas jazz, it's like you really gotta become you know study jazz to understand oh, what's God. going on. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, I would play all styles, but the jazz gigs I'd be on in Minneapolis, we have so many good players. It's like in the old days of Jeff Jeff Bocair in the studio. He'd be in a studio, you know, you know. Ralph Humphrey can play this better than me, or you know, uh, you know, somebody else can do this better than I can. Hire them, sure. and they would start that. Would say, no, here's the drummer you need for this. Well, like with Steely Dan or whatever, and that's where they started those multiple drummers on those albums and stuff because the people were you need Bernard Purdy on this. You just shuffle, man. Oh, He'll man, do that yeah. shuffle on it. You know, I know. I, I actually only recently really like worked on and learned how to kind of play that feel. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It just was never something I did. It's yeah. A, yeah, that, that, yeah, I think Jim, I Jim Procaro said, you, you, need, you, want, you, you, don't want, you don't want him on this. You yeah. don't want me. I, I can do it, but you want, you want him. You know, if you want the real deal, get him. You know, <laughs> really he, cool yeah, he, he's him. the guy. This is, he's known for it. You know? yeah. And so it's kind of nice. Where drummers do have a nice community where, in general, we're very supportive. Right, which right. is really nice to see, like drum clinics and all that stuff. I remember the first time I, it was a, I was younger, I came to Minneapolis. We have the great Gordy Knudsen. 
If you do, folks, if you don't know who Gordy Knudsen is, just just go online and check him out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but anyway, I, I, I he was doing something. I just I thought it was so cool. On the break, I went. I asked him, "Man, what were you doing there?" And he said, "Oh, I got that from I, from so and so." Yeah. He said, I borrowed that from so-and-so. And here, basically, it's just this. I go, oh, that's what... Because a lot of times, drums is just like being a magician. Yeah. You know, oh, that's how you do it. Right, right. You know, it's implied. It's Some of yeah. it's implied. He's not, I'm thinking him here. It looks impossible, but it's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Right, right. And he was so generous. And I said, isn't that cool? That's so cool. And I was always generous with people I knew. The, you know, people would ask me your stuff, and I'm still to this day. Yeah. In fact, I... I had three drum sets at one time that I would just give out to kids for nothing. Uh, just use them. Yeah, have fun yeah. with them. Play with them. Uh, give them back. I'd like to have them back within a year or two. Sure. And if you if you become a drummer, go to the music store and buy a set. Save or, up. You know, and then, yeah. you know, save up. But at least you can try it. And I say, even if you don't want it, play it for. Even if you play for six months, you don't want to play anymore. When you miss listen to music, you hear. Oh, I hear three tom toms. I hear a closed hi hat, crash cymbal. Snare drum, I can hear the bass drum. You know, you'll hear it, and I jokingly say, "You'll know more about drums than most guitar players I play with." <laughs> you know, you know, so it'll help you anyway, whether you want to play drums or not. You'll get that. And being a kid is trying out stuff. Yeah. I remember the first kid I gave a set to, and uh, nine months later, I get the set back. He said, "I'm going to play lacrosse now." <laughs> I go, go for it. You know, Sometimes. try it out. Box of chocolates thing. Try out everything you can when you're a kid. Sure. You know, try. It. You know, and find you'll find something that really hips and. You know, it may not be drum, might be guitar, might be, who knows? Yeah, that, that community thing amongst drummers you were talking about, that's cool. Yeah. And, and, and like, I feel like the vintage uh, drum community is a little bit like that too. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, definitely. we're all in this and we all kind of help yeah. each other out. And definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so and so, I know somebody looking for that. I always hear that. Right, right. I, you know, can you find this for me? I know somebody. I always get, I pride myself. I'll tell you, vintage drum wise, I cringe. My at people who pull snare drums off of drum sets, vintage drum sets. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially matching snare drums. I mean, yeah. maybe if it's a superphonic off a you know a '67 super, but even then, if it's if it came with the kit, serials match. Leave it with the kit. But I've yeah. seen too many Radio King sets in the old days pulled off their sets, and I found too many Radio King bass drums and toms without the snare. We actually have an example of that right now. There's a White Marine Pearl uh, Radio King kit in back. Mm -hmm. That uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep together because we just we yeah. don't want to separate and then it'll be way yeah. tougher. Yeah, I sell, understand. But. Sometimes as a business, you can make more money doing it. Sure. And maybe you do it from a business point of view. You might do it, but if you do it, I will cringe. <laughs> uh, I'll do it, tell you. And I'll tell you, you try what. Try not to. Try. There you go. Please. It, 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 I, know, I, I know. I know. I know. Uh, there was a vintage drum uh, uh, business okay. in the early days that would always have snare drum optional. Every set they got, they would peel the snare drum off and say it's optional because right, right. it can make a few bucks selling for more. Now, if you got a pre-serial number Ludwig downbeat set with a matching 4x14 snare drum, that should stay on the set. Yeah. And uh, for instance, way back, uh, a top hat set. It's not called top hat in Kane, folks. Ludwig never called it that. What do they call it? Top hat. Top hat, okay. Ned, <laughs> I believe Ned Immerman from Vintage Drum Center nicknamed it top hat, named it top hat in Kane. I don't think he had the catalog. Oh, yeah. So he just described it as he saw it. Top yeah, I've never King. seen the catalog. No, the sure. catalog, it's not, it was never called Top Hat and King. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Ludwig called the later version that they came out with Top Hat and King. Maybe they did, but it, 
when you're describing the, the early one, it's a top hat. What about um, the Leedy Autograph of the Stars? Yeah, that's what it is. That, that's the correct name for that I, one? I believe it is, yeah. That's another cool one. That, yeah. That one's even more rare, I think. But anyway, the top hat, there was a top hat set in New England. Uh, I had bought a snare drum, top hat snare drum, mm -hmm. and later on somebody told me it came off a set. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, really? I bought the snare drum what off a done? set. It was, it was in the New England area. Yeah. area and. Liam Holland from uh, California bought the, the set. And Liam found out I had the snare drum. And I, I was good friends with Liam. We were all good friends, all of us collectors. Even we go back, we had Bill Pace. We got, geez, there, were, there were so many very great, great collectors. Uh, uh, of course, John Aldridge's early days, Rob Cook, uh, uh, Don Walker out of Colorado. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, Liam calls me up one day and goes, Hey, Joe, what's it like? How, how's the weather in Minnesota? All this, you know, because I said, shut up, Liam. I know what you want. <laughs> I said, you want the snare drum and you're going to get it because that set's getting back together. It's meant to and, be. And that set's <laughs> back together and Robert Bowler at Drummer Tradition has it. Yes. So that set was parted and I got it back together. I, I, I'm happy at least, you know, I've done that with a few old vintage kits, but that's the coolest one. I you know what? That kit behind you there, that lavender, that used yeah. to have a snare drum. Oh yeah! But it was it, it. It has a bunch of not original parts, um, uh -huh. so we sold the snare because those hoops are not original. Yeah, and of the, course. The yeah. hoop on the tom is not original. Yeah. But, yeah. Check out that bottom tom there. If you look at it, that's a cool, very oh. hard to find because that's like right in between. Uh, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you people to listening to this are amazed at that drum. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'll, Visually, uh, you, now you're going to describe it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Visually, so so it's it's a it's a tack. These microphones have uh, cameras. Cameras? No, 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 of course not. Well, but then we got the visual part too. But, but yeah. for people, we, we yeah. usually put out the audio version first. The um, that 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 it, it's like a, a tack head that then clamps down, so it's tunable tack head, which is which is actually I've never seen one quite like it. We're on camera too. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. God, I would have yeah, dressed better. That's I would have sucked in my stomach. <laughs> oh God, I would have sucked in my stomach. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I earned this, babe. This is this is COVID right here, speaking, man. I, I, I'm a swimmer. Oh, I haven't yeah. swam for over a year. Yeah, that's I mean, why I keep in shape and I, I, I got like to the gym myself. <laughs> yeah, so we got on the next one. I'll be lean and mean. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, like your dad, we'll man. Steve, God, he's looking yeah. great. Totally. What did he lose? How many? Uh, he he did the like the paleo diet for a while. Oh really? Yeah, God, he looks sharp. Cutting out the basically the bread. And yeah. Okay. Bread and pasta. Yeah, good. Yeah, I don't know if I could live without bread. He's and pasta. even a little faster, and his hands shake a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah as he's looking for drums. For sure. <laughs> he's, he's out there looking. Yeah, he's, he's cool. He's cool. But, but yeah, man, is there anything else you wanna you wanna touch on? I I don't know. I think I think oh autographs of stars. I'm amazed that there are not more autographs, leading autographs of star sets. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of autographs on there. Yeah. And back in the day, if somebody made a drum set of your autograph, I think this was a marketing thing. I think they said, let's put every drummer we know their autograph on here and they'll buy the kit. Yeah. Right? So there should have been, everybody who had an autograph on there should have had a drum set. Yeah. Bought it. <laughs> and uh, you think there would be a lot more of those than top hat sets. So like, who are those autographs? Are they all drummers from that? Area? Yeah. I never even yeah, yeah. Just, like, they, thought about that. Yeah, grab one sometime and take a look. Uh, all I know is you got to worry whether you got uh, lugged out, meaning a lug put over your name. Or, <laughs> oh, no. You know, oh, no. 
<laughs> oh no, if you bought this set, I'm sure that they have your name. Sonny Greer never got lugged out, put it that way. Sure. Yeah, Sonny Greer was always probably right by the badge. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot, how, there's a lot of names on there. There are. If that was funny, the great Mike, Mike Carrado, we all know, you know, the great snare drum collector, uh, San Francisco area. He wasn't here uh, this year, but... I'm yeah, next, next year he'll be there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, you had the uh, White Marine Pearl, the rare White Marine Pearl autographs of the star set, without the stars, you know, and, and it was and all these, and um, it was in my booth, a, a collector friend uh, just displayed it in my booth, and Mike was there. I, as a joke, I was going to take some scotch tape, put it over it, and put Mike Corrado as one of the autographs. I <laughs> then have, a, have Mike start looking, Mike, look at all those autographs on that set, and have him read it. Look at all those old timers, and have Mike. Mike Corrado. <laughs> but I was afraid that if I peeled the tape off, I might do something to the finish. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it wasn't my finish. You can't be too careful. Yeah, especially <laughs> with somebody else who said, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I ruined the finish on your bass drum. Sorry <laughs> on your one-of-a-kind set. So I didn't want to screw with it. But uh, Just just turn the drummer around. You yeah, I know. Turn, <laughs> put it upside down. And, 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 that, and that's the way. But, uh, yeah. Oh, God. So, but I think we we we, we covered yeah, we, some bases here, didn't we, Steve? Definitely. And like I said, uh, and we next have some year, laughs. Do we have we some? Yeah, yeah. We we can do another one next year. I want to yeah. do one with Mike next year. Maybe I'll do one with Mike before on Friday. Maybe yeah, one with yeah. Him on Monday. It'd be great. We can make it a, a yearly uh, tradition. There you go. There <laughs> you go. And now I can look at everybody. Yeah, geez, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that's that's you there. Oh, that. Um, oh, I'm that, even. I don't even know what camera I'm on. <laughs> I don't even know what camera I'm I always, I always I'm playing to that camera and I, I feel like a newscaster who's clueless who yeah. only, has one day on the job and that's it yeah. and, that, and now that's from <laughs> yeah oh god It'll, yeah, so. this will be great. Yeah, I'll, this I'll put it up on YouTube. Have a good time. Yeah, you'll be able to. Yeah. It'll, it'll be there forever. <laughs> oh, All right, so we'll sign off. Oh, you sign off. It's your show. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, hope to see you at the twenty twenty two drum show. There you go. <laughs> okay. Right. Bye bye. Thank <laughs> bye. you.